Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies of 99 from our unhappy home <laughs> here in 2018. Yeah, it's a really unhappy home. I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. I'm Felisco. Kenny, what's your high? Did you have a high? Oh, my high? Yeah. My family does something like that in real life. <laughs> my family does in real oh, life uh, rose, bud, and thorn. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> that's... that's uh, it's well, I have children. Yeah, <laughs> I don't just do it with like my adult <laughs> friends. That's always parents. your mom. Like, yeah, Thanksgiving. it was but, like uh, your parents I, are yeah, calling you. We up. do it with my my children, Rosebud and Thorn. So that rang true to me, and so did other elements of this movie that I will get into later. But before we do that, yeah, let's introduce our we should our high, guests, highly legitimate guests. Seriously, <laughs> uh, rejoining us is Todd Vanderwerf. You remember him from the. Blair Witch Witches. Project. Yeah. yeah. Hello. I miss. I miss purchase. I always heard it as P U R C H A S E, and I was like, "That's very old timey and formal." And I loved it. I was like, Did you? "Great!" I was like, <laughs> "Wild West or something." Yeah. yeah. It had a very uh, yeah. It did. It was sort a, of coal mining, I, well, sort of looking maybe, for gold. Maybe people thought I was a little more sophisticated than I am. <laughs> um, I'm. I'm. I'm not. It was purchase, and uh, it's great to have you back, Dad. It's great Thank, to be here. It means. Um, it means. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to us. Yeah, this is a big part of this is a big part of the story of me. So. <laughs> it's Hopefully. their high. It is. This and, is the high of our day so far. And also joining us is Libby Hill. Libby Hill is an entertainment reporter with the Los Angeles Times. She is incidentally Todd's wife. Has nothing to do with anything. 
Um, we just it might her. play into this episode, though. She, yeah, we, happened to, we, we happened to book the two of them on the same day. Yeah. They walked in here. They're like, you? Yeah. What are you doing here? But? We just talked about divorce. Um, yeah. But Libby, it's, Libby, it's so oh, great we to will. have you. It's thank so you nice for, to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for watching this movie that you guys chose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have so the the plot the plot of this movie is that the two characters have been uh, married for fifteen years and we are coming up on fifteen. We are so occasionally in the middle of this episode we're just going to randomly have like a flashback and stare off into the distance. <laughs> so, Will there be a talking head sequence that comes out of nowhere? That's, sure, that has sure. No, never explained. Never explained. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. this movie, guys. Oh, I mean, well, so hard. Well. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie in well, not, and not fuck this movie terms. Well, but, but let's start by asking Libby some uh, some questions. Uh, I'm so excited. In terms of where were you in 1999, Libby? In 1999, I was probably hanging out in Todd's dorm room. Nice. Um, we cool. met on the first day of college. Oh, wow. Uh, in South Dakota. Okay. At South Dakota State University, uh, where I majored in not going to class <laughs> and nice. ultimately not graduating. And um, which Todd, is so obviously overrated. Yeah, it's obviously, obviously, clearly, like, clearly, just you didn't need it. Yeah, no, I just you know the fifteen years in retail helped, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a different movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, I was oh, just, Shop Girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not. We, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I like Shop Girl. Fine. Did you like it more or less than this? I mean, more than this, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeez, okay. like, could the bar be lower? We'll, we'll, do, we'll do Shop Girl in podcast um, like it's 2017. So did, any, did, did you guys, you didn't see this in 99, right? No. No, we saw we it. We saw everything else in 1999. Yeah. But our first date was to Three Kings, which was a, good, a great movie. Yeah. Was because, and we went to that because American Beauty wasn't out yet. Right, right. Yeah. And you were excited for American Beauty to come out, though? Uh, Who wasn't? Yeah. Libby was a huge fan of a certain actor in that movie whose name escapes me. Uh, Voldemort. I've, 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 yeah, I've scraped it from my my <laughs> brain. Scrubbed but, from your mind. Yeah, yeah. Libby, we could we could form a um, support group. Okay, thank yeah. you. We're former fans like, of a certain feel, actor that we can't talk about. Yeah. Okay, anymore. good. I feel yes. really. But so you had a crush a on him too. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I mean, I've said it on the podcast before, but like, I did like a high school project on his movies. Oh, and he'd only honey. been in about four at that time. Oh, bless yeah. your heart. Yes. That's he was a big, a big lot. fan. So it hurt. Same, you get it. So I was you probably the biggest victim of this. <laughs> oh wow! I, just well, just I'm just saying. <laughs> what? What? I don't even have anything pithy to yeah, say. There's, to nothing, there's, nothing, there's nothing that can be said to that. Yes, no, no, really. Uh, no, so really 99 challenges me when it comes. To 99 was a big year. You saw a lot of these movies in the theater yeah. together. Would you say you saw? A lot oh of these yeah, movies? most no, of them. Quite a few. Like we, um, yeah, we saw just so we saw everything. We actually, we actually flirted before we met. Right. In real life, on yeah. the internet, over Blair Witch Project, right? Which we, which Todd featured wow. on before. We talked. Ni- Nineteen ninety nine was a big year which for big us. Year. Todd mentioned in the podcast, he did. but he now did. I'm trying to put this all together. Yeah. Did you did you meet over some kind of South Dakota State thing, or did you happen to meet on the internet and then both wind there up? There are like three different versions of the story, yes. all of which are true, all of which would make a better movie yeah. than yeah. I, I can I mean, only call it This Is Us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Although This Is Us is us. much, much, much better than this movie. Again, the bar is so <laughs> yeah. low. Yeah. I actually am getting a little sad. <laughs> did you like it better it's, than? I we? liked it better than you guys did, no question. But wow. I also am just so sad that such an, I'm so, it's just such a sad thing to me that this movie exists oh yeah like i guess like like it's you don't have a lot of bites at this apple right yeah and 
to just miss it so badly on yeah. one of the, I mean, there's Kramer versus Kramer. There's the story of us. I can't think of any other Hollywood movie that really deals with divorce. So it's um, just missed so wildly on it. Like it yeah. like kind of depresses me in a weird way. This well, is I, a, yeah. a really bald faced ripoff of Stanley Donan's two for the road, which is a right, tremendous right, right. movie. But if you could update that movie for 1999 and like do an honest version of it, that'd be great. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not, this that, is not but, it. Yeah. I mean, so for context a little bit, we were emailing hmm. and I said, you know, I'd love to have you guys on. And you suggested a handful of movies. I think Three Kings was one of them because mm-hmm. you guys had seen that. That was one of your first dates or maybe your first date. Um, and we have your mark that for David O'Russ. So. <laughs> <Yes>. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Nuts. And the story of us was on there. Right. So I have to ask, you saw this movie before. Right. And you liked it. We remembered liking it. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember why? <laughs> I think that when we, so we saw it in 2001. We didn't see it in okay. 1999, and I think that we were impressed that you could tell a story non-linearly. <laughs> I think that might have been it. No. Although, to that end, I, you know, I mean, we had no idea you could tell a story non-linear, non-linearly and also have it be coherent. So yeah. we were still waiting for the movie. And I think that. that we, I think that we were really um, blown away by the idea that marriage was hard. I think that we right. were like, oh wow, wow. that's. Uh, it's really, t- it's really tackling this head on. But I want to set up the circumstances for how we saw this because I oh, think God. I think that this is a big part of it. In the summer of two thousand one, uh-huh. uh, I moved into a house that the siding was falling off of. This was in college, and there was okay. like, you know, when the uh, shower in the basement that I used was just covered in pitch black mold. Uh, so I moved into this unfinished basement room in this house. The owner of the house, I'm not going to give her full name, but her name was Rose. Okay. And the first time we- You, you can give the full name. <laughs> <laughs> she is certainly dead. Her, yeah, her name was, okay, so her name was Rose Ramey. The first time we ever met her, she pulled up to this house in her giant ancient station wagon and she rolled down the window, but it was one of those, it was like a power window that did not go very quickly. So it just went for like a solid minute. And then she just talked to us from the driver's seat of the car and handed us the keys and told us all about the house. And she says, she said, well, I got to go. My son Belden has had a fresh amputation. And she rolled the window back up. The same, and she pulled off. She has a story yeah. we're telling guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, so, the story of her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So Libby and I uh, watched this movie on my bed in my unfinished basement bedroom, right next to the shower, covered in black mold. And we watched this, and I think that- Anything would have. It feels yeah, right. That, yeah. That tracks. Yeah. The circumstances of that was like, yes, marriage is tough, but we are going to make it because classical gas exists. <laughs> Maybe it was the mold poisoning. Everything yeah, possible. It was so- so damp all of the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was always so damp. But we, uh, I, we signed a year lease for that. <laughs> we signed a year lease for that house, and we moved out three months in because it was just terrible. Uh, and we uh, got some other unlucky suckers to take over the so lease. You, you so. weren't kidding about the flashbacks. No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> so just to be clear, I did not live just because our parents will find this. I did not live with Todd in this no. house. We retained separate residences. Not that I can remember where I lived that summer. It's because you lived at my house, basically. Oh, yeah, we basically. just right. hung out all the time. Right. right. Uh, okay. So you saw this movie in 2001 and right. you were taken with its scattered narrative. I think that. Um, I, will and- say, I, I also will say, too, that, that I mean, 
these are two movie stars. These are powerhouse right. movie stars. And if this movie works at all, and it doesn't really, but when it works, it's solely on the charm of these two people. Right. So on some level, I can understand, especially, I mean, I don't really remember this movie coming out. I, I, do, I, I do. Okay. I don't remember it. It didn't make much of an impression on me at the time. And I feel like the the, the bloom was off the rose with Rob Reiner for me at that point. Right. Um, I felt a little burned on Ghosts of Mississippi, and I kind of was like, I think I'm kind of done with this guy. And then this movie also was kind of buried, too. It didn't really get much promotion as far as I could remember. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it got a release and, and quite frankly made its money back, again, solely on the backs of Bruce Willis. $58 million for a movie like this no, I, is a lot of but a that's, canned movie like this is a right, lot of money. I, and I understand it's probably it's probably It's a testament actors. to Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer that it gets that. Mm-hmm. Um but and it was released months after Sixth Sense, so yeah. he was kind of the biggest deal in the world. Sure, sure, which and is which is true too. It's in the heart of Oscar season. This is an October release. Like I don't know that they thought this was going to be an Oscar player, but when right. they picked that date, they were like, "If this is good, we have a road to the Oscars." They had to have thought it was an Oscar. Movie they must have because yeah. I can't imagine why bruce willis or michelle pfeiffer would take these roles unless they thought they'd be rewarded with oscars i can't think of two roles that are less fun to play they're so deeply unlikable both of these people and it it just goes to show like you bring up kramer versus kramer right where i mean and that those are tricky roles but they're the, the ocean of depth to both of those characters right that you are conflicted and you have feelings about them where you're like i love this about you but i hate this about you they feel like real people and it feels like a real relationship and it actually deals with the landmines of marriage and divorce. Right. You don't like these people from like the first second you meet them. So they're in an unlikable situation and they are inherently unlikable, which just makes it just, there's nowhere to go. I think, go ahead. Well, as you were saying that, I was thinking, and I think one of the things we liked as immature children watching (laughs) this was the fact that there was no, reason they couldn't make it work like no one had cheated technically no one had hit someone else so it was just like what happens when relationships don't work sure um now clearly a premise (laughs) is not enough to enjoy a film (laughs) it's just what i've learned 20 years later but um there is there was there was a nugget of an interesting idea there that i could write a thousand different better versions better ver- of than this. I, that but. was. I think that's maybe the thing that that hit me the most watching this. I watched it with my roommate the other night, and both of us were just sort of floored by just the missed opportunity of it. Do you right. know what I mean? That you have all of these people that are incredibly talented, uh, below the line and above the line. Like this is just a very well made movie. Score is by Eric It's crazy. I don't. <laughs> I don't have enough time to talk about that score, (laughs) but it's very upsetting to me. It's a very bad score. And I would like to table it for the moment. (laughs) We can get back to it. Um, We'll come back to it. As is the song, the one song that he... It's very deeply disturbing. It's so upsetting. (laughs) Did you know that there are apparently different songs and it's not just the same song throughout the entire film? I thought it was the same song. It feels like the same song. There's a soundtrack. The soundtrack is on Spotify. It has like 25 has, tracks. Yeah. And they're all sad. It's like, it's moments Stop from the movie. Uh, the last song on it is called We're Going to Chow Funs. <laughs> this, excuse me. Excuse me. I feel like you're burying the lead because the second to last song on there 
is classical gas. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hold this on. is true. I'm looking this up right now. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, no, it's a thing. It's a real yep. thing. Yep. It's uh, a spoon is a spoon is just a spoon. Yeah. All different songs. Oh my God. Yeah. 24 songs. There's, There's, a, song. Show fun. There's a song called writing montage. Uh, I hate the Kirby's. Yep. All right. So this is a really, really bad element. <laughs> of a movie. <laughs> So I, I want yeah. to say that, that Mick, Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle yep. is the only one who actually give it a positive review. No, it's not positive. He had, he, he, he highlighted the one thing that I agreed with that as okay. a positive. I have a review. I want to read it after that. It said the one thing this movie accomplishes, it shows how arguments can flare out of nowhere and become shouting matches Pfeiffer and Willis are convincingly married in those moments. I do think that the only time this movie works mm-hmm. is when they're yelling, yelling. at I each other at, about the same decibel. Shit. Yeah, yeah. And that, I agree with that. And and that to me, that's the movie, and it's surrounded by all this garbage, especially the parts where they try to be when Harry met Sally and trying to say men are like this and women are like this, and this is what you do, and this is yeah. when you blow them. This it's the that's the stuff that makes me. So Fringe. angry, but the actual good stuff between these two actors mm-hmm. was that seed of a movie that, like, I'm, I'm truly, I'm like, I'm mourning the fact that it didn't exist in this universe. Well, first of all, I'm, I, I'm gonna, I want to speak about that for a second. Then there's a, a, a review from Entertainment Weekly that was unbelievably positive that I do need to read as well. But the movie that I thought of as I was watching this was uh, Before Midnight, mm-hmm. which successfully does what this film is trying to do. You know, that fight that they have in the hotel room is brutal. It's brutal because it feels incredibly real. And you love this couple. You're invested in them over these many, many years. And it's just hard. And and you really feel how hard it is to be married, to have kids. And I don't know either of those things as I am neither of those things. But I assume that that's what it feels it's like. It's hard. <laughs> Kenny knows more than I do. But that but scene. It, but, it, but it's fun. But that scene is amazing. It is a it is it is a, a amazing feat of filmmaking, of acting, of directing. It's raw. It's everything. And this movie has a couple fights in it that just feel shrill. That just feel like they're just kind of yelling to yell. I feel like Bruce Willis is actually not a particularly convincing yeller no. when it's dramatic. Like in an action movie, sure he can yell at a, a helicopter like the best of them, but. When he has to elicit an emotion in his yelling, it doesn't work. And in this, it's just, he, he feels just at sea. No, I, don't know. I don't know if you guys agree, but I mean. There's no offense to sitcoms when I say this, but this movie was written by sitcom writers. Sure. And feels like it was written by sitcom writers. Sure. It's a very surface level portrayal of. Because on a, yes. t- on, on a sitcom, you, you can flirt with a couple fighting, but yep. you know, Homer and March Simpson are always going to get back together 22 minutes in, and they're yep. going to need a very facile reason to do that. And that's what this, this movie, movie is. Well, the, the, fun, man. but the yeah. other thing, the other, the other thing, cause I agree with all that. The reason I think these screaming matches work so well mm-hmm. is because those felt like they came from real life. Like the, whether it was Reiner's or Bell or the other guy, uh, who I'm sure has a name. Jesse Nelson. Um, Jesse Nelson. Whether it was one of those three people, they they were 
to me, they were going through that in their real life. Like, that's very clear to me that those those emotions were real. I mean, those are... Oh, sure. It feels are, grounded I, in a real place. And it's I don't want to, like, place. you know, just, like, we didn't have you guys on because you're a married couple and you're going to divulge your deepest, darkest secrets, but... We are. I actually. am... Uh, we sweet. had a whole podcast about that, so okay. we're probably oh, not so shy. Cool, cool, cool. Which we took off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They, they, they did, for better or worse, remind me of some of my worst moments in my marriage. Right. So I will... I give it credit for that. And that's what I recognize well, and, in this movie. And I'm also... I obviously fully admit that I don't have that perspective. I am I am watching this film as me. You've been not, in long-term relationships and you probably sure. felt these emotions, right? Sure, but I, I yes, I, I'm, I'm speaking more to sort of the complexities of I've never lived with somebody, you know what I mean, that I'm in a relationship with. That's, that is, that in, unto itself is a big deal. But, so in this Entertainment Weekly review, I'm just going to read two whole quotes from it. Jesse this, Nelson, by the way, is a woman. Uh, the story of us evokes a paradox of marriage, namely that Ben and Katie are drawn to each other for the very complementary qualities that also make them rivals. Uh, it would be a more resonant movie if we saw those qualities rather than just being told them, but, Billis, but Willis, as an effusive workaday dreamer who lacks discipline, and Pfeiffer, as the mature one who's too fixed on keeping his impracticalities in check, yet to project the fullness of their personalities. Pfeiffer's speech is a smiling through tears rouser. Both actors are terrific. They let us see how only two people who share this deep a bond can connect so intimately through anger. The story of us isn't exactly scenes from a marriage. Isn't exactly scenes from a marriage. <laughs> uh, but it's its own glossy way it catches the alternating currents of affection and pride, resentment and passion that bind people together even as they're being torn apart. See, I think the good version. A minus they gave me, by the way. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think, uh, like, even even twenty year old me watching this movie sure. uh, on video in this terrible basement, waiting for Belden to come out and stab me with his one arm, uh, was uh, would wouldn't have gone higher than like a B. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, A minus. Yeah, um, I really liked it. I think the good version of this movie, the where it's funny and the tones change and like it's told out of order and you get all kinds of interesting. Uh, in, insights into these characters and there's not a real conflict between them. They just kind of have drifted apart is eternal sunshine. Sure. sure I sure. think um, sure. a, that a near perfect movie. Yeah. That is yeah. the movie that takes all of this and makes it work. Yeah. And like, um, but it's not afraid to make either um, either of the characters. I can't remember Jim Carrey's character's name, but it's not afraid to make Clementine Joel. Clementine Joel. or Joel bad people like they do bad things yeah. to each other they accuse each other of terrible things they, they, well, that's are, what's, they also are able to have the happy ending yeah in a way that's still satisfying whereas in this movie spoiler alert when they have the happy ending it made me throw the remote against the wall. <laughs> well yeah. but i mean what's interesting to you what you're saying that there's a paradox to the fact that to make these two movie stars so unlikable is inherently paradoxical considering like studio movies don't want to do that. Like they want to make, so they've taken these two people that we immediately already kind of like because they're movie stars and they're charming and we like them and they're making us hate them. But I can't decide if it's intentional. I don't, I don't feel like it is. I don't think it was intentional. Right. I think they think that like, oh, their charm will get us through. Hmm. Libby I just, it. I'm so, it's just so upsetting to think about. <laughs> I'm still hung up on the fights, which, yeah. which Todd and I have had some ragers. And, yeah. um, let's get into it. <laughs> I don't, but that's the thing. I don't even think I could channel, I could channel that right now. No. Um, but no, they, 
But the, the problem with the fights is that they're always on the same level. They're right. always just, boom, we're screaming yeah, at each it's other. It's zero to 60. Yeah. And like, it felt so disingenuous because in the film, they're like, oh, we're doing it for the kids. We want to protect the kids. I'm like, you're not protecting the kids screaming at them while they're trying to sleep upstairs and screaming at each other. And then my remote against the TV moment was the same moment realizing that while she's having her screaming, laughing through tears, rouser, the window has been down for the van the whole time. So her parents heard, or her children heard every single word of that. And I hate using this word, but that hysterical monologue. It's just, you're bad people and you're bad parents. (laughs) I, I felt bad. Like I've read a few times that people think that was a good model. I know. I felt bad for Michelle. Fine. I did too. Oh, that's I did too. Delivering oh. that, like I did too. she was asked to do such bullshit. Yeah, I agree. She's asked to save the whole movie, the whole in in in, in a in, in a page in and a, a half. one take page and a half. That it's terrible. I mean, I, I yeah. If I, anybody I, can do it, it's her. Yeah, because she is the best. Yeah. But, I will also say too to your point about the the the, um, the fight seeming to come out of nowhere. This movie is edited within an inch of its life. Yeah. So it's, and there's reshoots all over this fucker. There has to be. There's just no way that some of this stuff, I mean, the talking head stuff that we alluded to feels weirdly sort of slotted in there with, because there's no impetus for it. Or I, I think it's the when Harry met Sally of it all, but I can't decide if that was after they saw a cut of it and they're like, I guess we should do some of this shit. I don't know. Um, but the, but the fights feel unmotivated because those scenes feel like everything is just so up against itself. Because I, they're just like you know this. I hate that when Harry met Sally too. I, I don't mind it anymore. I, I really I hate it. I hate it with the button at the end. I oh, think it's like cute. for me, but well, I hear you. I just I think it. I think it. I think it's like like severe cheating, because it's not actually about the movie. It's a it's a just a, a way to put a little cute little sheen on the movie. Well, it's a way to it's a way to do the the time jumps. Now it's I'm imagining so you know. Now I'm imagining if Nora Ephron had written this movie. You're not the only one. Yeah. Much. Every single person yeah. online was like if Nora I mean, I guess I never saw Heartburn. Right. Yeah, that movie's great. Is that about divorce? I think it's about a relationship falling apart. About the trail. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I need to see it. I have I've never seen it, but I just it is I know kind it, of about divorce because well, it's, it's not, about her relationship with, with uh with Bernstein. Yeah. Yeah. It's not this where like Libby's point that I actually think like is where this movie could have been great is this is not a movie about a villain in the marriage. It's about a marriage. It's just these pieces aren't fitting together. Yeah. Um, Heartburn is about a villain. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give a little, uh, a little context here uh, for all the people to save you from having to watch this movie. Uh, after 15 years of marriage, Katie played by Michelle Pfeiffer and her husband, Ben played by Bruce Willis have grown apart uh, while they keep up the facade of having a contented marriage, mostly, to not worry their children, they aren't happy together and argue frequently. While the kids are away at camp, Katie and Ben decide to separate and try to reassess their relationship to see if they should stay together or split up for good. And they find enough that's positive in their marriage to keep going. The Story of Us opened on October 15th, 1999 in third place with $9.6 million behind Fight Club. Uh, it went on to gross $58 million on a $50 million budget and has... Pretty 20, good multiple there. It's not bad. And uh, it has 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. You think there's a like a three hour cut of this motherfucker? Absolutely, <laughs> fucking lutely. Sure. Because I think that that to, to your original point of like, was this an Oscar contender? Yeah. This movie on paper is an Oscar player. 
So there's definitely the Meet Joe Black version of this movie. Yeah. Where I was going to say, if Ghost of Mississippi was a hit, there, this would have been a three-hour movie. That's what I'm saying. I think what it, what it reminds me of is, I think that there is a version where this 95-minute version works, and Rob Reiner goes out and he's like, I just was thinking about Annie Hall and how they right, cut right, right. this three-hour movie to 90 minutes, and it was perfect. And like, no, sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you don't have yeah. that central storyline because like, this is just like, Stuff, a bunch of stuff. Well, I, I mean, there's a couple things that I that I think are interesting. The first is, did you guys watch the trailer for this movie by any chance? No. Um, the, it's a great trailer, and I say that because it's. Did it have the the the, the therapist with the big birthmark on his forehead? Unfortunately, it did have that joke. I in always there. remembered that joke. Uh, it did yeah. have that joke in there, but yeah, the reason I say it's a good trailer Governor is Gray this Davis. movie. <laughs> this movie works as a three minute thing where it's remember the completely unearned sort of like staccato montage we got at the end. It's sort of that for the three minutes, right? So it's just, it's the power of like, Oh my God, this life that we're going to see unfold before us and this family that we're going to see unfold before us. And I remember that. That's what I remember. I think I compacted all my positive feelings about this into the trailer. (laughs) And it makes me wonder whether or not that montage was written or if it was just the three hour Found. cut that you're talking about where they're just like, oh, here's we'll just we can just get all the good parts here. I, I there's some of it that I'm sure was written as like the it's a boy, it's a girl. Yeah. But then there's like a random scene of them dancing as a family. That's like clearly from a musical number. That- well, but then also is a callback at, yeah. when they go and pick up the kids. At yeah, camp. He does the dance. Yeah. yeah. Which we have no motivated. Yeah. We, we have no context for. It just seems crazy. Half a second. In this montage from three minutes earlier. Bruce Willis, by the way, whose character vacillates like crazy. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is pretty consistent. Right. Her character is you know, pretty consistent throughout. His, I mean, there's, what about like when he starts like, when he's writing his book and he's, and he's got his office in the foyer of that, of that house. And he's got like a beard and he's grown this and he's writing some about a Polish something or other. I'm like, what? who is this person? Who is Bruce Willis? Who is Ben, whatever the hell his last name ben is? Ben Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's all very world. weird. It's all very weird. But um, I think the thing that I think was the most sort of discombobulating is that I had no idea where I was in the timeline, about 70% yeah. of the time. Yeah. Of this yep. movie. I was like, wait, are we before camp? Are we after camp? When is, I think camp's the through line, but they don't hit it enough for you to actually know that they're flashing off of that. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea what was going on the entire movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I had no idea what was going on the entire movie. I mean, maybe I was half watching, but I, were they separated? Were they together? Because the, there was that end montage that I personally like, and I think it was great. It was just so decidedly like studio 1990s wrap up to me. Sure, sure. But, it was better uh, than what came before it is the point I was making. In and of itself, yeah. as a trailer, it's kind of cute, but like, it's like the worst Dan Fogelman thing you can like think of. And then, um, and then, oh my God, this is Dan Fogelman's origin story. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is how he became <laughs> who he is. Yeah. And then, uh, and, but that's not the only time oh, they did dang. that. I know, they do it a right? couple Right, they times. do it a bunch of times and it's all kind of, it just, it's very confusing. It takes you out of, out of the moment. I truly, I was like, wait, wait, is now Tim Matheson time? Or when, when, what's the Tim Matheson thing? I just called him, I just kept typing in Hoynes. Let whenever me- I- I just like the so two for two for the road is vaguely nonlinear as well, but like has a very like 
clear, like, here's where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. The other movie I thought of with this is, um, actually, it's a stage musical, but it's also a movie that's not very good. It's the last five years, where the two characters sure. start on polar ends of the timeline. One moving for what the uh, woman moves backward through their relationship and the man moves forward and they meet in the middle. And that's the end of the story is like, uh, I think it's their wedding or something is in the middle. And like, that's a very clear through line. And this just, um, this doesn't have it. Well, it doesn't have an organizing principle is the problem. Like as, as hacky as it might very well have been, if, if those talking heads had been in a therapist's office Mm -hmm. and we are in a therapist's office and that is what we were flashing off of. I I understand where I am. Like I just felt so aimless. That's so bones, at least. That like sure, that's yes, the yes, bones yes, to yes. a story. Yes. And you can hang stuff off of yeah. that. But this was just a, a big pile of meat. It also like <laughs> it also like that was the original tagline. Big pile necessarily <laughs> manipulative, right? Oh yeah. Because yeah. these characters are together when these when this shit is getting filmed, right? So yeah. why are we getting like Willis talking head, yeah. Pfeiffer talking head, yeah. and then then you get the two of them together with like like Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Except that they're lazy and they didn't want to do voiceover, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's the other thing too was so you have these embrace the voiceover. And we'll we'll, we'll, we'll I mean, we'll talk about the plot if there really is much of a plot, but <laughs> we well the 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 Guys hanging out scene and the girls hanging out scenes are (laughs) fucking terrible. Oh my God. They're just really rough. And part of it too is they're completely unmotivated. So when they happen, you're just being like plopped into these scenes. I don't, Paul Reiser, who generally I like, I think Paul Reiser's usually great, is not good in this movie. Um, And maybe it's because he's trying too hard or maybe because Rob Reiner sees He is, but he's like, you're the life raft. You'll save us. Because I, I don't know otherwise why he's he's just playing really big I think, and weird. Uh, and my understanding, like my experience from seeing Riser in films was that it felt like he was very intentionally trying to undermine his Mad About You yeah, persona. Yeah. And so he's always a dick and um, <laughs> hit that K really yeah, hard. Really did, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, a K-pop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think he just went in on that but everyone else was already so unlikable that it, it was just yeah. that much more it, it just it was, well, it was, was so like, much oh, oh my god and i, I again as i like Rita as a character i've ever seen on film. Yeah, yeah she's i mean and and then rob reiner i read online cast himself because he's the cheapest actor he could find so okay that's, i mean i guess i know it's it's, it's a lame right, joke but that like dude sucks we should talk about him now. Well, like, wait, well, hold on. That, that is a guy. Oh, that is boy. a that is a guy who this guy at that point. You're talking about Rob Reiner's character in this movie. Rob Warren, Rob Reiner, the human being. We're gonna talk at about that him point, next Rob week in Reiner the news as well. Probably had hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, he I mean, Seinfeld was on at that point. Right? Hollywood royalty, and the, with a fucking straight face to say I'm the cheapest actor I could find. On a what a fifty million dollar movie? I love how angry you are. I right just, now. I, it's just like <laughs> I'm loving he's just, this. I, he's just so clearly lost the plot, right? Well, at that's, this point, I mean, we're, we're going to do a deep let's dive. Let's talk into, about well, the plot let's, of Rob, Rob, Rob let's Reiner. Let's just all right, fuck it. Let's, okay, let's do Rob Reiner. Uh, Rob Reiner, who arguably who I guess was, I fucking hate. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. I want to. Yeah. I want to say I think that Rob Reiner was arguably one of the best American filmmakers right in the in the what the the early 80s you know late w- 80s early 90s i wouldn't say best but he was adventurous he was willing to try a bunch of things and he is 
I think of him as sort of a contemporary of Ron Howard who came up around the same time. And they're both really good directors of actors. We were te- Kenny and I were texting about Ron Howard actually as well earlier mm-hmm. today. And Kenny, what did you, how did you pose it to me? I can actually, I can pull I it up said, here. Hold um, on. I can, I can pull it up right Yeah, now. quote me. You said, um, uh, <laughs> Rob Reiner has gotten so far afield that it's almost impossible to remember that he was once one of the greatest living filmmakers. <laughs> and then he says, I know you love Apollo 13. But outside of that, has Ron Howard made a movie better than Reiner's Five Best? To which I said, no, but I also would say that Reiner couldn't direct most of Ron's movies. He can't handle that level of action scope production. So, Which I agree. I think they're two very different filmmakers, but I understand how they both kind of came up in a, at a similar yeah. way. Both actors on sitcoms, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I see the, the core of And that. I think they're both really, when they're in their element, they're both really great directors of actors Absolutely. within stories where you don't necessarily need great acting. Like yes. one of my favorite Ron Howard movies is the paper, which nobody I love, cares I love about. The, her I love the paper. But like that is just, just huge ensemble cast. And he gives all of them like great little acting Absolutely. moments. So, and Reiner's yeah. great with ensemble cast yeah. as well. I, I, Anybody who's yeah. seen the paper loves the paper. I think the paper's great. I mean, Except I think Libby. I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> Libby just, you know, Libby just has a problem with newspapers in general. No, listen, so we had works a, at hey, one. Hey, yeah. Hey, well, it, Kind of. <laughs> I mean, they they kind of print things on newspapers still, don't uh, they? You know, it's it's touch and go. It's. It, God, I was talking I about that like yesterday. Oh. I was yeah. telling someone about the fight between Michael Keaton and Glenn Close in that movie. It's great, and it's it's crazy. It's one of Michael Keaton's best performances too. I in think he's great in it. My defense, we had like the same six videos for rent at the gas station that rented videos oh, yeah. in a small town that I grew up in. And one of them was not the paper. Okay. But, see, one of them and one of them in armor was the paper. Well, That's so why I've seen go. the paper. Yeah, several times. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Say, it wouldn't shock. Yeah. So let's just walk through the early films of Rob Reiner. And we could say whether or not they're better or worse than the paper. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, this is spinal tap. The sure better, thing. Better. Oh my God. Oh, not Stand by me. Thing. Obviously better. Princess Bride, I, When Harry Met Sally, better, Misery, better, better, A Few Good Men. Better. That string of movies is yeah. arguably unparalleled, probably, in it, by a lot of filmmakers. Well, what else did I say in my texts? I know. Are you going to do it? What? Are you going to quote? Oh, and then, and then North. Oh, sorry. I can quote you. I said, I'll, I'll just say it. No, no, no. I got it. I got it here. Uh, you First of all, you said that's a good and fair point for me, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, yeah. No, I, I don't have it. What did you say? I said, uh, you, start with, you start with Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not saying I hold all these opinions, but reasonable people do. Best mockumentary ever. A reasonable person could say The Princess Bride is the best comic fantasy ever. A reasonable person could say Harry Met Sally when Harry Met Sally yeah. is the best romantic comedy ever. Could say Stand By Me. Stand By Me, best coming of age movie ever. They could say uh, Few Good Men is the best courtroom drama ever. A reasonable and person. And Misery, a domestic thriller. Best domestic thriller ever. I mean, it's, you, you could have, that argument could be made, which speaks volumes, obviously, to how fucking great he was. Now I don't know if it's if it's that he was trying to get an Oscar. I don't know if that was like sort of the 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 ring that he was unable to get. It definitely I don't know. was because he does North, and again, I have not seen North since it came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it actually isn't a terrible movie. Now I would actually venture to guess that, like a lot of movies that are you know dinged really hard when they came out with a little bit of time, they're actually not that bad. Have you seen Hudson Hawk recently? I haven't, but I saw Speed Racer recently, and Speed Racer is actually a great movie now. North is not Speed Racer. (laughs) My God. I don't think North is even Ishtar. Like, so the thing about Speed Racer is it was genuinely ahead of its time. Like, (laughs) 
oh, Ishtar, is, not, Ishtar is the is the right comp. But okay, but I and not to not to get too you know, but it's a bit of a blank check movie. Right. North, it's a bit of a swing. I'm sure who wrote North. I think Few Good Men is his biggest hit, so it would make sense that he's like, I'm going to make this weird little you comedy. You know who wrote North? One of the writers of it's Alan's White Bell. Uh, it's Alan's White Bell's novel. Alan's White Bell's not just some yeah. guy. Yeah, that's Alan's probably. White Bell was an important Saturday Night Live writer. Right. He was one of the co-creators of uh, Gary Shandling's first show. Yep, yep, yep. On the Showtime show, he is like a. He's not nothing. I wasn't suggesting he was. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's it, he's a he's a he's a he's one of the most. In, important comic voices of the last 20 the tw- end of the 20th century and it's weird that he's the guy who did the worst movie ever made north it's not the worst movie i didn't we call that crash, called crash that. is the worst movie ever made we've, true. we've discussed this uh but really siskel and Eber thought north was the worst movie of the 90s that's true which is and uh, I need to and this north. which is one of the three worst movies we've done this year yeah this so de- that definitely up there. i mean oh. I, I am i'm i'm actually going to rewatch north now because that's i've decided that, that right in this moment i've decided i'm going to rewatch north but my point more than anything is conceptually north is not a bad concept for a movie right. and i and i understand why he did it it's a weird movie sure he bounces back with the american president which we were discussing off mic earlier is a is a good movie you know, it's it's a sweet movie. It's a nice romantic comedy. It's an above average movie. It's a B plus movie. It's more a Sorkin movie than it is a Reiner movie. But it was a disappointment at the time. But it was like it was supposed to be a big Oscar player. Yeah. It didn't make its money back. Like yeah. people remember it fondly now. And when, but when people remember it, they don't think Rob Reiner first. They think no. Aaron Sorkin first. Absolutely. I I love that movie. I think it's a great movie. I've probably seen it three hundred times, yeah. maybe four hundred times. Virginia Ham and. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like one of my family movies. Mm-hmm. It's a as good movie. Much as, yeah, as much as any movie. Was it's it movie. at the gas station? Could you just rent it, was it a gas all the time? Station. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ted Cruz loves that movie too, guys. It was a. Is uh, that true? Do you remember when he stole the? Remember? You remember this from no. the election when basically Trump called his wife ugly, so he gave the basically the speech from the end of the American president, and then people started calling him on it and was like, "Did you just plagiarize Aaron Sorkin of all to things. defend your wife?" Anyway, so that happened. That was a thing that happened in the, this timeline. Um, so the American president happens, but then he does. The American president is, is his only mediocre movie. I mean, I, I think it's great, but like. What do you mean? All the other movies that he's done. Oh, this is shit. Like, <laughs> it's a, well, yeah, I think you have a good point because everything else he's done is either like really well loved or really hated. Right. And this is the only one that kind of has, a at least on release. Nice. Yes. Yes. I mean, here's what I, I will say this. Okay. So just we'll walk through it. Ghost of, of Mississippi, which is not a great movie. I remember seeing it and thinking, because everyone was talking about how James Woods was going to win an Oscar he, he before was James Woods yeah. became the worst human being oh. ever. Um, yeah. We have to talk about him on the Virgin Suicide as well. But oh, I'm uh, sorry. yeah, he's, I mean, it's a great movie. He's just, anyway. Ghost of Mississippi happens. He does The Story of Us um, a couple years later. It's three years between those movies. Um, the Story of Us, which I'm assuming he thought was going to be his big comeback. Obviously. I assume he was editing it for three years. <laughs> yes, just like, uh, like certainly, uh, Foxcatcher. Certainly wasn't directing for three years because <laughs> holy shit. And then he does Alex and Emma, the, the Kate Hudson, right. um, Luke Wilson. Which we own. I am not speaking. We to were her. given it. We Why, were given it. Of Alex no. no, someone's one of our friends mailed it to us, and I don't <laughs> understand why. She wants us to watch it, but I yes. don't want to watch it, Todd. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of your friends made it. I actually, I actually, while we were That's watching possible. this, I, I asked her last night, uh, "Is it is Alex Nema your favorite Rob Reiner film?" And she said, uh, "Strike the Rob Reiner." So <laughs> 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 she was kidding, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, then he does a, a terrible remake of The Graduate with Rumor oh, right. Has It. Oh. Uh, is it a sequel to The Graduate? It's it has it's a, a yeah. it's a pseudo sequel where oh. they flip the sexes and yeah. it's Jennifer Aniston with Kevin Costner. I thought yeah. the idea behind that was it was the the Graduate was based on someone in this movie. Yes. So yeah, uh, Sarah Huttinger is a woman who learns that her family was right. the inspiration for the book and the film The Graduate, and she might be the offspring of the well documented event. That's this is a that real, makes my head hurt. This That's, is a real blacklist type script. I could see that log line on the blacklist. Sure, sure, sure. No, sure, sure. I mean I'm pulling it up. It was written yeah. by Ted Griffin, a guy. He's great. Really? Uh, Ted Griffin's great. Guy, ravenous, ravenous guy. Yeah, we, we, we we covered ravenous we already. Quite like. And then the bucket list was a movie that did well. Big hit. Yeah. It was a big hit. Yeah. Um, and and there was a moment there where I was like, uh, maybe. And then he does this movie called Flipped, which I think was autobiographical. I remember people liked Flipped. Like oh, that movie also makes me sad. I don't. I've never seen it. <laughs> I don't know not. anything about it. I think that. <laughs> I think, but Why I think. Why does it make you sad? You don't even know what it is. It. it I sorry, remember, Todd, I remember, I didn't sorry, Todd. I remember the poster. The kid being upside down. I flipped. Rem- I, I. It makes what me. It makes that? me sad that they made something so earnest and so genuine. Yeah, and it, it got like I remember it got like D's. Yeah, no people, yeah. people trashed. It. I just remember that Drew McWeeny, the then he was a, the critic at HitFix, was like, "This is just a really sweet, genuine movie," and it, really? it was like a bad summer for movies, right? And it came out in August, and he was just sweet. It's, it's a forty-five on Metacritic, so it had its fans. Like, That's pretty good. He has like sons. Uh, you know. Pete Hammond said, "This is a beautifully crafted and special movie to cherish." Uh huh. Maybe it is. <laughs> so I don't know what these other movies are. I don't know what the magic of Belle Isle is. I don't know what And So It Goes is. Although I feel like I kind of know what that oh, is. Oh, these are all movies that people bought. Oh, the Michael Douglas, Diane Keaton movie, And So right. It Goes. I remember, yeah, that's that existed. And then he does LBJ, which came out last year. Another Oscar play. That didn't really do anything. Yeah. And now he's got Shock and Awe coming out this year. He's become very political. Mm-hmm. He's always been very political. He's always been a very political guy. He's become very outspoken. Um, you know, I keep hoping this guy can can just give us like one more good movie. But I just I I, I just don't like know. Like Sidney Lumet with "Before the Devil Knows You're Dead." Sure, it's the only time I could think of that happen where some guy was like gone for a long period of time while still making stuff like yeah. Gloria, which we'll get to. Yeah, and came back in the made a masterpiece when he was like seventy. I oh, mean, that's I guess a great movie. "Before Sorry. the Devil Knows You're Dead." Mm-hmm. Oh, it is a good amazing. movie. I do wonder whether or not he could. I mean, I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he has it. I think this is going to be one of those things where a tremendous script has to land in his lap that he just kind of sort of falls into a project. I just don't think he clearly doesn't know how to develop his own thing. Plus, and we didn't mention this, but his company, Castle Rock, produced Seinfeld. Right. So mm-hmm. he's beyond rich. And all the Stephen King stuff. Too, and all right? the Stephen King things. Yeah. So like Castle Rock is just a shocking moneymaker that I just don't know that there's much motivating him anymore. But he clearly but, doesn't but want to. makes a movie every year. I, I don't know. And the thing about it is, like, those first six, seven movies are so versatile. Yeah. They're switching genres and, like, Amazing. in wildly different ways. Ugh. Like, if he gets a script like Misery now, do we think he could do it? I, I kind of don't. No, like, me neither. His wheelhouse now is, like, uh, bland political dramas, and occasionally he'll make, like, a sweethearted coming-of-age thing. It's funny. The political thing makes me think about another filmmaker that we talked about a bunch, which is Jay Roach. And the and the political movies that he's made with HBO, the recounts, you know, the game changes. I think Reiner could do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that... Barry Levinson's doing it right Barry now. Barry Levinson oh, yeah. could do that. I think that Rob Reiner could... Like, 
if he had done, I mean, LBJ obviously was done for HBO. They did a, they did all the way. So, but you sort of know what I'm getting at here. Yeah. I think, I think that if Danny Strong brought something to Rob Reiner, that's not a terrible match and that they could do something interesting together. Well, those HBO movies, these, these Paternos and the Wizard of Lies yeah. or the Madoff movie was called, I think it was that. Yeah, Wizard yeah. of Lies. Are 90s studio movies. Oh, shit. You just blew my mind. <laughs> like, seriously? No, yeah. seriously, though. Yeah, I know. That's that's a really good yeah. observation. Rob Reiner could have done The Post. Like, yeah. uh, I don't think it would have been as good. I think well, yeah, I think, be, I think Spielberg, like, I think Spielberg yeah. made it what it was. Sure. Rob Reiner wouldn't have attracted Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks to that. Yeah. No, no, no. I almost wish he had, though, because it would it would be nice to see him. You know, but the thing is, he did. He got all the way. And I know. He flubbed it. So like, no, he didn't do it. What do you mean? He just did. No, no, I mean he got the LBJ, LBJ movie. Thing. He got the yeah. LBJ movie, and I don't know if he flubbed it. I never saw it, but like it made no dent. But I think that. But I think that LBJ gets hurt by all the wet. Like I think that that's one of those things where it feels like a movie that's riding the coattails of a of a of a better movie and and play. I mean, I don't know. I watched the trailer for Shock and Awe the other day just because I was. What curious. is that about? It's about the. Bush administration pulling the wool over everybody's eyes to get into the Iraqi war. And okay. basically, and, and the New York Times piece that was being written about the lies that were being spread in order to get into the war. Again, I, it's a I don't per- know. Don't step to Bush right now. No. <laughs> He's kind of my guy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I was, what I was going to say more than anything is I understand why you make that movie now. I understand all of the, the pieces that are there. But, you know, you watch the trailer for Shock and Awe, and it has, no joke, five cards of various companies that it took to get that thing made. You know, you're just, you're, you, you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I, I don't know that there's a there's a a desire for that or an appetite for that. I mean, the post did did well, but again. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep and Steven Spielberg, and even then the movie didn't really set the world on fire. I don't think people are going to the movies right now because they want to see people tearing apart or or tearing apart the administration or anything that's sort of about the press. I just don't think that they're getting enough of it every fucking day. So I don't see this movie doing really well. Um, but, you know, it's got Woody Harrelson in it. Woody Harrelson and Rob Reiner are clearly tight. You know, they're, I don't know. The politics line. So Rob Reiner... He lost the thread. Is he going to get it back? I don't know. But he didn't get it back with the story of us. I have a theory as to why he lost the thread. Okay. Do you remember the, uh, I think, 2006 Lindsay Lohan vehicle, Just My Luck? Yes. Yes, uh, sure. Where she and Chris Pine switched luck. Because uh, uh, <laughs> they wish or something. I don't, I don't remember. Switch, switch luck. luck? Yeah, they switched luck. 
Uh, <laughs> I did that, that was always pitched, yep, right? Yep, I'm pretty yep, sure. That's the movie. Rob, it's the uh, Lex swapping movie. Rob Reiner and Ron Howard. The body swap in, movie, uh, except. Rob Reiner and Ron Howard yeah. in uh, 2000 or in 1994 or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the set of the paper, probably the greatest movie ever made as established. Like they switched luck is what happened because Ron Howard goes up. Rob Reiner goes down. Ron Howard does the paper. Then he does uh, Apollo 13, which is his yes. big breakthrough. Yes. Yes. He wins his Oscar. Now he's like one of the guys Hollywood calls. Yeah. Rob Reiner is no longer that. I think they. Ju- I think they just my luck. I think that's. What I, happened. I mean, they just I, my luck. That's my luck. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, someone should make a movie about that. It swap. wouldn't surprise you if two people switched luck. No, yeah. not at all. Okay. Wait, especially Chris Pine and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, did they actually? Was that a documentary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who directed? Uh, what, well, is that that what is that movie called? <laughs> I think it's called Just My Luck. They did switch locks. They, mm-hmm. Did this? Yeah, two thousand and six. It is. It's Chris Pine and and. Wow, who's that better luck than Chris it's, Pine? It's uh, mm-hmm. Don, Donald Petrie. Maybe Chris. The Evans. screenplay is by Marlene King mm-hmm. of Pretty and Little Amy Harris. <laughs> and Amy wow, Harris. There's four writers on that movie. Four guys. good writers? No, I take it back. There are five. Oh my God, there's so many writers in this movie. Takes anyway, a lot to switch looks. It does. Take it for granted. How many writers does it take to switch a luck? Um. <laughs> So I, I want to talk a little more about the, the writer. Uh, every, uh, every so often I like to just read the last sentence of a Wikipedia plot summary. Here's the last sentence for just my luck, but only seconds later, they are drenched by a broken water line. <laughs> Do you think that's a euphemism? Hopefully. Oh, man. Did anyone watch the happy time murders? Uh, no. Red band trailer. Yes, I did. You didn't even need a euphemism, euphemism for the last one of that. No. Uh, the the Rob Ryder Ron Howard thing is definitely an interesting parallel. They did definitely sort of swap some level of Hollywood love. I guess I get why they're very different directors in all the ways, except they aren't very different directors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like they they ran in parallel for so long, and like Ron Howard was always the guy who couldn't get it going, yeah. and then he just suddenly was. And Rob Reiner no and, and Rob Reiner is the villain in Ed TV. Less less I remind you, it's true. One of the best performances of the year. <laughs> NTV, great movie. He's a perfect villain, in my opinion. He just, I look, and I agree with him politically on basically everything, or maybe, you know, whatever. We're different flavors of the same popsicle food. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> popsicle, that's what I was going for. That's what I thought. You nailed it. Yeah. But, uh, but there's just something about him that um, he is kind of, uh, he's, he's, he kind of is, is who I think these intellectual dark webbers have in mind when they're like the left is as bad as the right which and i'll be honest with you i don't even think that rob reiner is that far to the left like no. far to the left. he's pretty far but i don't think he's i don't actually think he's bernie sanders like i think he's more he's not even mark ruffalo that's no, what i'm saying not. i don't think he's i don't he's i know he, hollywood he, liberal elite no, he's is a definitely li- tagged he's a liberal capitalist right yes so it's it's a little i don't know it's a little weird he's I, my point is that i do think he's mislabeled He's just very, very, very outspoken about, you know, left of center politics. And look, and look, and look at what's happened to him. I, that's why I don't talk about politics. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's why. I don't need to put my shit out there. Um, so can we talk a little about Eric Clapton's score? I know. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that's, actually, that's a pretty effective. That's actually a very good. 
Eric Clapton. Here's the thing that almost bothered me more than the singing. Did you, did was, you do that at your wedding? Was the, yeah. was the actual <laughs> instrumental. It was that cloying goddamn Acoustic guitar. guitar. I was like, fuck you. But it actually sounded like Parenthood. Like a bad episode yeah, of Every Everything about this movie, if it had said at the end, scored by W.G. Snuffy Walton, I would have been like, and I love W.G. Snuffy Walton. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. this movie is just 30 sure. something. It does, just it, and it, yeah. does, it does have a Parenthood vibe to it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I loved Parenthood. But it feels like the most subpar episode of Parenthood. Oh, Parenthood the Show. Yeah, Parenthood the Show. Not Parenthood the Ron Howard movie. Not Parenthood the Ron Howard. I mean, uh, no, Parenthood the Show more. But but I will say that the layers of the flashbacks at times made me feel like I was in Inception. Where I was like, what fucking level am I in? I just, no, I was like, I was full like memento, like writing things on my arm. Like, okay, well, she has the short hair now and his hair is past shoulder length. So they must be in this oh timeline. My, yeah. Bruce Willis' hair pieces. I can can't, we, no. Can we no, please talk about that? No, I can't talk about that either. Hair pieces are amazing. They might be my favorite part of the movie. Because I want the long one, the, score, the long one, when he's. Oh, I love it. Let's go back to the it. score. This is my point about the score. We, talk, <laughs> we see this with, with directors all the time. You know, of course, my, my go-to example is always Departed with Martin Scorsese, where no one said... Your favorite movie. Yes, where no one said, uh, hey, Marty, this makes no sense. Make it make sense. Or, hey, Marty, this performance is awful. Uh, do something about Jack Nicholson. Nobody said anything to him. The, do something about Jack Nicholson. Oh, I mean, he had to. I know. Nobody, nobody, no one railed him nobody in. Railed, him in. Nobody railed him in the entire movie. Yep. It's the only time I've ever seen that with a score. But this score, someone obviously was like, we got Eric Clapton. Just let him do Eric Clapton things. And he did Eric Clapton Forever. things. Forever. And he did Eric Clapton things, and he was never reined in. It was so yeah. awful, and it hurt the movie, and it gave it this, it, 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 it added to the, or it just it gave it this tone, yeah. That took on this, like this '90s. I don't even know what it was. Like oh, this, it's so this, dated. Like, it's yeah. also cloying. Yeah. It's, it's patronizing. It's just it's doing all sorts of things, but then also trying to be like perky at times, where it's trying to like keep you. I, I just I like the Modern Family. Like that oh, is to me jangled. what marks this as an Oscar player is. If this had been a good movie, Eric Clapton's an easy Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. Okay. At least yeah. for yeah. the song or something. Absolutely. Um, Did I, this get any nominations? No, no right? This didn't get any the nominations. daughter got a young child performer nomination for some, which was bizarre. Well, I mean, she has like five lines. I know. Was there a daughter in this movie? There was a daughter in this movie. Uh, so Bruce Willis apparently was going through his own divorce with Demi Moore while filming this movie. So um, that might have something to do with his uh, erratic performance, maybe. I don't know. Um, and apparently, and I didn't know this, Michelle Pfeiffer was offered the role of Annie in Sleepless in Seattle and turned it down. And I think she might have been better in that movie. I love Meg Ryan, but I do wonder whether or not Michelle Pfeiffer might have been an interesting choice there. I think Hanks and Ryan makes more sense than Hanks and Pfeiffer. Me too. I think that Hanks is too every guy that if you have somebody as beautiful as Michelle Pfeiffer, it throws the movie off. That's fair. I think um, that's Michelle's Pfeiffer, M- Michelle Pfeiffer's problem in life. Is that she's just so beautiful yeah. that it's Bruce impossible. Willis's whole thing every time he's paired up with an actress on screen is he bats out of his weight class. Like he does that in uh, every movie where he I has. I mean, that's, that's, that's how he came to, it's moonlighting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so they're like, okay, well, put that's Bruce fair. Willis in there and he I can mean, it. The, the role of Annie is not much of a role in Sleepless in Seattle, if we're being honest. And 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 I don't, I like Sleepless in Seattle a lot, but that role is not, there's just not a lot going on there. She's really a plot device. She just keeps the movie going uh, while Tom Hanks is actually acting over here. Um, 
So I guess I was just saying that if it had been someone of Michelle Pfeiffer's ability or talent, it might have enriched that role a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm not, not like shitting on Simpsons in Seattle. Yeah, I'm just saying I'm, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here for the Meg Ryan is untalented. I didn't say she was untalented. She's I, great. I would argue. So this is, this I'm just is saying it been interesting. my submission. Um, first of all, that Sleepless in Seattle is really creepy and it makes me uncomfortable. But, because she's stalking him? Or, yeah. yeah. And well, she's stalking his son. But um, <laughs> I mean, just let's yeah, just put it true, out there. It's, it's not as creepy as while you were sleeping, though. Um, <laughs> sure. Anyway. Love that movie. Sorry. No, that's totally fine. Like, I totally creepy. Deeply, Couldn't agree with right? you more. Okay. Um, <laughs> w- would this movie work better if it was Meg Ryan instead of Michelle Pfeiffer? That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it would work better too, but only marginally better because the problems aren't with her. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not faulting Michelle Pfeiffer at all in this. Oh, I think sure. Michelle Pfeiffer is doing everything too she can. Dynamic. If that, she's, her edges are, are harder than mm-hmm. Meg Ryan's. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't yeah, know. She doesn't play soft great. What are our favorite Michelle Pfeiffer performances? Well, Catwoman is probably Fabulous Baker Boys, yeah. um, which I adore Fabulous Baker Boys. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I really love her in. I mean, I, What Lies Beneath? Mm, no. I'm not sure that would be She's really good me. in the kind of underseen movie because it's not that good, White Oleander, which is not yeah. a very good movie, but has good performances. It's one of those. We have four Michelle Pfeiffer I movies in 1999. Say, was uh, White Oleander in 1999? No. The four we have are this movie. Um, Dark, deep end of the ocean. Oh, that's what oh, I was thinking. Yeah. Um, which is like a big book. Which yeah. is what we also have A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Which yeah. we probably won't do. Uh, yes, we will. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, she only had three. Sorry, with those three. Yeah. Did she have like a guest spot on TV or something? What was the third 99 or in there? No, there, okay. she only had those two or those three. Um, I, I like her in Frankie and Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's great in Dangerous Liaisons. She's always good. She's always good. I mean, I think she's actually, I think she's, people slept on Age of Innocence in general, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good movie that people just don't give it its due. Criterion did, though. Yep. Uh, Back when people could tell Scorsese what's up. My kids watched Grease 2 last night. My kids watched Grease 2 last night. Yeah. She's so gorgeous. She, she's, she's, like, she's perfect looking. She, like, from age yeah. 20 until right now, when I believe she's like 60, she's, she's like just beautiful. the most beautiful woman. And It's, it's just, crazy. It's crazy. It is. It's and and to be honest with you, I'm I'm actually thrilled that we're kind of getting a bit of a renaissance from her. You know what I mean? I, I know people oh, yeah. hate on Mother, but she's fucking great in Mother. Oh, she's great in Mother. She's the maybe the best performance in Mother. Um, she was the best thing about Wizard of Lies, which yeah. is not she's a very good great movie, in that she's too. Really good in that. Yeah. Which people, I, I was surprised that she didn't get a nomination. I think she, that De Niro getting one was actually. They, they I think she that did, up. didn't she? She got some nomination did somewhere. She? Okay, maybe yes. I'm wrong. I, and and as I mentioned earlier, off mic. And she's great in Dark Shadows. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Murder on the Orange Express is, is just bad, but she's good in that. I wouldn't be surprised if Michelle Pfeiffer was, won an Oscar before she died. Now, she probably only has about 10 years to pull that off, but... Wait, is she going to die in 10 years? No. <laughs> but, but... Do you know something we don't? Well, women, over, women over 70 getting nominated doesn't happen a lot. That's just kind of the realities of the industry. It happens more often happens than you think. once every couple of years, and yeah, they're often Everyone European. else dies. Anyway, Michelle Pfeiffer's great. She's not the reason this movie doesn't work, but I will say that when you say Meg Ryan, and I think about the final fucking monologue, 
you know Meg Ryan could kill that. And it's not that Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't. It's that her delivery belongs in a different movie. Yes. I'm thinking about this as what if you have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in this movie and it's like a meta, like you've seen these two fall in love and sure. now you're seeing them fall apart. Like I'd watch the that. big, the, the most embarrassing scene in this movie to me is Bruce Willis at the restaurant, oh, it's awful. which oh. is a scene that Tom Hanks would find the layers yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, it totally wouldn't right. be any better written, yeah. but like he would perform it. Better. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I also feel like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan would potentially bring better shades out of the friends scenes yeah. too because it feels like like i knew i was in a bad movie no joke from the very first line that bruce willis delivers in that very first shot where he says that when he tries to play the joke of the well now you have two dead the you got two dead people in this equation he's like that line just does not work coming out of his mouth right and i was just like oh no we're gonna Wait. this is gonna be a long long haul in in retrospect biggest problem with this movie knowing how the movie ends is that there's absolutely no reason for the audience to believe these two should two people should be together right these two people should not be together they're going to go to chow fun they're going to go home they're going to realize we shouldn't have been together and they'll fight for another six months then break up again um that's a happy ending <laughs> it's like there's just, a tag that's like, and then they got divorced. Yeah. I like didn't watch scene? all the credits, so maybe there's like there could a, be a post credit scene maybe. where they're just like, "Fuck this." But a lot of that, a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was these two actors. Yeah. Um, given the exact same material, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and knowing them from their three previous movies, or I guess it would have been two, it would have been three at two, that time because we've got males ninety eight. Yeah. So the three previous movies, knowing they have going into it with that built in chemistry. The audience would have been rooting for them to, to make it work. At the end, like I I was so angry they didn't they didn't break up. It was bad for everybody. Here's what I love about what you guys are pitching on this Tom Hanks Meg Ryan thing is that it's kind of like the before sunrise, before sunset, before oh midnight. God. Yeah. <laughs> but with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, which I'm completely into. Well Although the reason then, and then Joe versus the volcano, which I guess is the outlier. The reason that this like the reason that this sort of story is so hard to do in film and the reason before midnight works is you need all that buildup. You can do this on 30 something where you have three years with those characters. Like this is inherently a thing television does better. Or the Sopranos. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's true. You you need the the investment that's required for like the dissolving of a marriage movie. I mean, even scenes from a marriage was originally a miniseries. Yeah. It was a miniseries. I, I was, I wanted to make sure I was right on that. So it does feel like, all that stuff works better in long form than it does in short form. But which is why like falling in love movies work so well because it's the first blush and it's all that sort of stuff. But um, let's kind of talk about the plot of this movie. Just kind of bounce around what little plot there I'm is. But time and see how long it takes you to recite the <laughs> plot of this movie. I mean, it's not really much of a plot, but we, we open with this weird talking head thing, which I don't really understand. It, it doesn't really, it, doesn't really occur much in it. But anyway, then we have a family dinner and they talk it's about the- basically the modern family talking head. It's someone talking kind of to someone kind of off camera yeah. in their actual living room. So it's definitely not a fucking yeah. therapist's office. It's a bad device employed Did, poorly. Is it in their, are they in their living room? Maybe they're not in their living room. I don't know they're, if they're, they're in their own living room. They're in a room. third location. <laughs> they're in, Never they're, go to a what? third location. They're in, yeah, a room, with a they're in a room with some depth. <laughs> Which is kind of weird to me. Yeah. The, the weirdest thing to me is that <laughs> they're wearing different clothes. Yeah. And it's manicured. Like they're so, and this yeah. goes across the whole movie, but they're all shot so beautifully. 
with makeup on. He's wearing makeup. She's wearing makeup. It's just everything is. It all looks like a like a Pottery Barn ad. Like it's all very just strangely. Except it's lit like shit. <laughs> yeah, everything a lit Pottery is Barn lit ad. like shit. Everything they say is so general and so generic that I almost wonder if they were doing like behind the scenes featurettes for the DVD. And yeah. Rob, Rob Reiner was like, my God, they're saying some profound things about marriage and just like started cutting them into the that's movie. Amazing. I fucking yeah. hope that's true. Uh, the first real scene in the movie is a family dinner where they talk about their highs of the day. Roses and thorns. <laughs> That's that's what we call it. Uh, and, and I wrote down, this family could not feel less real. Yeah. Uh, from the very beginning, I don't feel any sort of bond between any of these people, mm-hmm. um, which is death from basically the... And, and then I said, I immediately don't care about this couple. Like, it's just, you are, you're dead from from the jump. It's a, it's, it sucks. All right. In the, in the movie's defense. <sighs> yeah, please. That is the intent of that scene. That this marriage is dead from the jump. The kids leave and they're Fair. like, I can't dispute that. And, but that's the thing. It sets such a huge challenge for itself because it's like, okay, here's this couple. They should get divorced. Right. Now fall in love with them. Yeah. Now agree that they should get divorced. Now feel like they should get back together. And this is not that movie. Like yeah. it is just it's out of nowhere. I love stories about relationships falling apart. You know, I've no. <laughs> <laughs> literally i've tried to write i've tried to write (laughs) i've tried to write many of them before and like we uh i have had the note a lot of times you can't have one of the characters cheat on the other because that's unforgivable which i think is untrue like i think i think an audience will go with it is untrue but totally there is definitely that idea that like but if bruce willis or michelle pfeiffer if one of them had had an affair if they were both having affairs if you've seen the movie the lovers uh, by Azazel Jacobs, Recent movie, right? which came out in 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Tracy Letts and Deborah Winger, and they're both having affairs. And they're like, great. this marriage is over. We're going to tell our kid. And then they, they start having an affair with each other, in essence. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, the yeah. good version of this movie. Well, there's a lot of good versions there's of this movie. Much, but, yeah. but yeah, like the idea, like if they had just cheated, or even if there was like money trouble, or like, you know, they hated their kids. Like I hated their kids. <laughs> I also nothing. Right. How about giving them fucking jobs that like actually like it was crazy to me. He's a TV writer. Yes. Okay. And and we get a flashback of their what, kind of what meet- do TV writers do on a daily basis? What? I don't know what a TV writer actually does. You know what? He, I've heard. I've heard about it. That's true. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, there's a flashback to their meet cute right. where she was an assistant on the show he was writing for and there is no one in the office. It's the middle of the night and he's throwing things at her. Like I guess a high schooler would to try to get it's the girly like attention. Bad meet cute. And, and then she puts on a pith helmet, which I, I don't, with a, with a, with a siren on top. I don't <laughs> understand, but he thinks it's fucking adorable. And, there's no one in the. I just, I, I, I was just like, give them fucking jobs. Like it's, it's one oh one. Like at least that way you have something to hang the movie on. At least it gives him an arc, an understanding. It gives her something to do. But instead, they're just aimlessly like I, in I, this movie. I bet my wife in literally that scenario. Okay, literally she worked. Put on but a I imagine you're with a siren. <laughs> literally, literally, she pulled out. She pulled out the siren helmet, whipping paper clips, and <laughs> literally. I literally met her hurling projectiles at her. Um, no, I literally met her working in a television show. 
What television show was that, Kenny? It was a show called Entourage on HBO. I don't know, <laughs> oh. I don't know, I don't know if you've heard of it. Big, oh. big head, they made a movie. Oh. You know, we're mad, you know. Um, I like that your Entourage <laughs> bit is sort of like David Sims London bit on Blank Check. Yeah, it is, a little bit. Wait, and then we you just pull back the curtain. Wait, did you guys hear? He was like, he grew up in London. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a rumor. It's crazy. <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. Yes, and I, I did. I, write, I wrote on the HBO hit Hit show. show Entourage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where is, did, didn't you have, a, uh, didn't you have a, a tweet recently about Entourage, about the Kevin Connolly oh, yeah. movie? And you were going to look up the- I was going to look up the gonna lyrics. I was going to tweet at you all the lyrics. It's like, <laughs> I could say, here are the lyrics from, from the Entourage. And it goes, Mama, Ribbit April. <laughs> From the top of I listen. Oh I can't tell God. you. I can't tell you how many how oh many times God. I listen to that so theme song. I finally, yeah, I looked them up, and it was just like, what? Those are the lyrics. It's, just, it's it noises, not really words. And I'm okay. <laughs> I know you want me desperate. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely worth it. So I wrote, I met my wife working at Entourage. They had shown it to me. Here's HBO. what's going to be great is that I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Seven, eight seasons made a movie. We need to now lift that audio, and every time I ask you what show it is, we just play <laughs> you. Okay. Yeah, it's great. No, you need me. Guys, uh, I wish that scored fuck. the story of us. The story of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we met. So you met. When Laura came over to my desk and told me she had a rare virus in her throat. <laughs> that is so okay. romantic. That's hot. If she actually, if she actually listens to this, she'll be so pissed at me. But um, that, that's still listen to the story of us. Yeah, it's also not exactly when we met. It's when I fell in love with her. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. So are you going to tell us that, that I went? Ah, oh okay, you know I need you. <laughs> oh my God! All right, want to uh, be a superhero? So they, more than anything, this is the beginning of their relationship. They are trying so hard for it to be cute. So that we like them, and so that we're invested in this thing. But it's trying so hard that it's just it's it's pretty painful. When I saw Bruce Willis standing in front of their old apartment that was being torn down, I was like, is he a construction worker now? And then I realized <laughs> if he was a construction guy tasked with tearing down their old apartment, a lot of this movie makes more sense. <laughs> so maybe that was in, maybe that was in the three hour so version. Fix, fix the fix, movie. Fix the movie. Because occasionally on this is, podcast, we'll fix movies. We fixed Wild Wild West. We fixed Thomas Crown. Well, ish. I didn't, think it need, I didn't think it needed as much fixing. Oh my God, God is I fucking fixed it like that. That was a great fix. That was, that was a great fix. Just I would also say too the the level of coincidence necessary for him to be at a payphone that just happens to be next to the building that but I, he was on a cell phone. Oh, he wasn't. It a cell was phone. crappy. It was okay. a terrible 1999 okay. cell phone. Still, I take it, it back. I take it back. But I, I yes, to your point, that should have been a thing. I actually mm-hmm. love that movie. The movie you just pitched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that. Yeah, it's I better than this yeah. movie. It at least gives it a spine. As a woman who has lived in an apartment that should have been an immediately condemned, I support your theory. Where our marriage almost fell apart. Yeah, that yeah. was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie. There you go. Yeah. Done. Uh, their first date sucks too. Everything sucks. Where they go to they go they go out to dinner, and she's like doesn't really want to be there, but he thinks it's adorable, mm-hmm. which made me also just feel gross. I don't I don't really love the way he, I don't love the. 
power dynamic that exists in the beginning treat, of their relationship. Yeah, he treats her like his daughter or his kid sister. Yeah, and then he suddenly or the is like on the show he works. On. Then oh, he suddenly yeah. makes her his mom. That's, like that's oh, it's weird. Or her dad. Why do I always see. want to talk about gender? Porn? What is this? <laughs> but this movie is kind of screaming for that because. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of we'll, we'll get into it here, but they send the kids off to camp. Uh, ben <laughs> Ben tells Katie he's, he's staying at a hotel. Right. Uh, and then we have, apropos, of, it seems very little, but uh, the guys and girls go to separate lunches. And that's, to the gender politics of it all, uh, feels really dated. Yeah. Because the thing is, the the scenes in When Harry Met Sally, when he's off with Bruno Kirby um, and she's off with, with Carrie Fisher, really work not just because it's very well written and very well cast, but also, again, gender politics. That movie came out in 88? 89, I think. Libby said a thing while we were watching it last night that I'm going to quote because it was really smart, and I know you're not going to remember it. Uh, but she said it feels like they optioned men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and lost the rights midway sure, through production because sure. that's like a lot of what this movie is. Totally. It's it's true. Uh, it, it definitely has that feeling of like, I don't know. It 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 feels very Seinfeldy too, mm-hmm. where they're trying to be kind of very bad version. Yeah, no, so, I mean, Seinfeld's Seinfeld obviously never, infinitely. Seinfeld better. would never do anything this hacky. Um, That's fair. Uh, there's a joke in it again to speak to gender politics and also to speak to the power dynamic of Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. You have a story that Paul Reiser tells oh. Rob Reiner about jerking off to his secretary. Yeah, the and night before, asking for permission or apologizing, yeah. apologizing and saying if I do that. It's okay, right? And then everyone at the table is like, yeah, it's it's fine. And everyone laughs. This is just how guys talk. <laughs> all right. So I'm not, I'm certainly not writing for this. I hate it all. But, oh, um, okay. But I, just to, just to kind of point out, yep. Michelle Pfeiffer and Bruce Willis aren't partaking in these conversations. Yes. Yeah. Right. They're just, they're just, they're just observing. listening. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I think there is an argument to be made that, that they are meant to be the viewpoints. Of morons. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think yeah, you, absolutely. you have the argument that, like, Rob Reiner is angel, Paul Reiser is devil, Bruce Willis is just sitting here, and occasionally one of them will say something, and Eric Clapton will go, <laughs> and they'll, like, yeah. zoom, he'll zoom in. <laughs> you zoom in on Bruce Willis's face, and then he has a flashback to an indeterminate point in the past, except once it's during the Gulf War. Like, <laughs> It's so fucking weird. That's great. Um, but that, but that specific joke felt really gross to me, mm-hmm. and immediately made me hate Paul Reiser. It's it might be within the first minute he's on screen. I think it's his first line. Yeah, it's his first shit. <laughs> so anyway, so Phil, just a question for you: mm-hmm. Is there a, have we have we watched a worse scene than those two? You know, inter, those two intercut scenes this year's thus far. Have you have we watched something that is worse? I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, and I think part of it has to do with the fact of what they're striving for. Is yes. is you know what I mean? Like universal, fact, universal truths, universal truths, and and the human condition, and and trying to sort of. Whereas, like, Chill Factor is a fucking ice cream truck in a in a bomb. It's a bad movie, as we've discussed, but it's also not striving for anything good. Right. Whereas this movie thinks it's actually sort of examining right. men and women uh, and just in such a grossly miscalculated way. Um, then Ben sees the apartment. We have that whole thing. What was the patriotic orgasms? Do you remember? I, I wrote that yeah, down. Yeah, they're watching uh, when the George H.W. Bush is talking no. about. No? 
No. Is that not? Uh, it was, it was, do you remember the neighbor we had and he had the patriotic Oh, yes, he would, he would, God bless America when he was coming. Yeah. Yeah. That was in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It was. It was in the conversation he has with her about the apartment. You know, they talk all the time about adapting the book House of Leaves, which is a tremendous horror novel that can probably be turned. (laughs) This is the adaptation of House of Leaves because it's larger on the inside than it is on the outside. You go in and become lost in a maze. I would love to see Andrew Kevin Walker's version of the story about (laughs) There was like significant points, like at different points in the movie that we were like, wait, what? What is their job? What is yeah. her job? Does yeah. she have a job? And then it would circle back, and Todd would be like, "I think she makes they crossword that. puzzles. She mentioned oh, yeah. wanting she to do that. She makes crossword puzzles. But the the, the patriotic he, he orgasm thing is weird. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. telling her, "Do you remember that guy?" Blah blah. Uh, okay, so that, and then that's a bad joke that you would only make again if you don't have an editor. It's just like it's so bad, it's so stupid, but but it's just one of those things where 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 yeah, it is a joke. And, and so, no one's and no one, and no one that. like that's what I mean like he, like if yeah. Rob Reiner showed it to you be like, it is a joke and you are Rob Reiner Rob Reiner what am I gonna do Rob here? Reiner Rob Reiner um, Rob Reiner <laughs> <laughs> Ben and Katie have a fight and I wrote down I have no idea when because <laughs> yeah. I don't know where in the span of things it's supposed to be happening but they have a fight um, the question is when are we <laughs> thanks Doc <laughs> you got it um, <laughs> But they, there is a beat here that I did like, which is the feet meeting under the covers. Oh, my God. Yes. We've talked about that. Um, yeah. No, like it's uh, I, ri- I literally ripped that off for when I was about 10 years ago. I wrote it like a stage play that was supposed oh, yeah? to be produced and then it fell through. Um, but I would I like wrote a thing about feet meeting under the covers yep. and was like, yeah. And I was like, I ripped that off from the story of us. I was like, nobody saw the story. Of us. <laughs> Who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> so you wow it, it like incepted you with we we were watching this movie last night like and, and 10 minutes in <laughs> libby was like so when you wrote the, the play was called yeah. hungry hearts when you wrote hungry heart were you ripping off the story of us and i was like no shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> you were ripping it off but it's it's a nice when you, when you touch my feet out of the covers are you ripping it off <laughs> but it's a nice moment because it 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 might be the only thing that feels real in this movie yeah Oh no! I think all the fights feel real, and I think that feels real. Okay. Again, I think like this okay. is th- these are pulled from real life, and everything else is pulled from someone who's been around Hollywood. Sure, too sure, much sure. Doesn't actually know the way real life works. Yeah, I will say I I will say that I don't. I'm not completely on board on the fights feeling real. I'm I'm completely on board with the fact that the exact same things come up in every single fight, right. like over and over yeah. and over. That feels real. I will say that Todd said something like this movie's half romantic comedy or romantic comedy and like half Hollywood satire. And it's just so awkward and strange. Like when he's viewing his new apartment. Yep. What the fuck was that? Yeah. Yeah. It was like weird lifestyle porn in a weird way. Like it had a kind of Nancy Myers vibe. And then the woman's like, and then the guy who jumped on the boat in Titanic and you can, yeah, it's just like, like, who cares? It's all just like observations that Alan Zweibel and Jesse Nelson have had about living in Hollywood. And, if it was made, if it was made six to ten years later, it would have been all lifestyle porn, and actually would have been worse. Yeah, you know? I don't disagree with that. Would it would have That's been? True. It would have been. This is forty. That's a good point. Which is like honestly the worst. This is movie. kind of the ultimate nineteen ninety. This is kind of all, all the ultimate ninety nine movie, though, in the sense that it's the tail end of the Clinton era. 
None of the problems in this movie matter. Nothing has stakes. Serious, it's just like yeah. if you're a rich white person in 1999, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, things are going well for you. You're yeah. just like you're just like worried about. Oh, do we connect as much anymore? Like, yeah, yeah who Isn't cares? Isn't that crazy? The same the same thing happened at the end of the Obama administration. Where at the end of the Obama administration, it was like. I, I just it is like all right. So now that we've won and we everything's fixed it. everything's fixed, fixed yeah. what do we do now? Well, let's you know let's keep going in our incredible. Yeah. It's the same feeling. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's weird because like in America, it's always good to be a rich white person. Like there is never yeah, a time never changed. Changed. Yeah. to be a rich white person. Yeah. And like, but yeah, there are those times at the end of Democratic administrations when it's like, let's talk about life. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I was taught like I was a huge Parenthood fan too. Yeah, and, I loved but it as the show went along. It eventually like kind of eased out all of its um all of its financial burdens. Mm-hmm. Like everyone ended up on the same income plane, and it was just like, oh, okay, so now it's just a bunch of rich white people in Berkeley not getting along and arguing over Thanksgiving. And I just didn't care about that anymore. And it definitely, just- I mean, Parenthood struggled as a show with finding stakes. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of them became finances, and that isn't great i mean it's not it's just not first of all it's not fun and it also feels very insular it's very navel gazy i would <laughs> say it is great though but it but it does i love parenthood i'm thinking that's the only thing they struggled with was that sort of stuff and i think that they found obviously they found the ultimate stakes when yeah. you're gonna get sick yeah. later but his death know. is coming for us all Pe- people are <laughs> writers Hopefully. are all, all yeah. television seems to me hmm. to be afraid to actually wrestle with the notion of we don't have enough money to do what we need to do. I don't know why that story is not told all the time on every show because that's everybody I've ever met. I've mm-hmm. talked with uh, sitcom writers who've tried to do shows like that, and they just get noted by the network because the yeah. executives have no memory of what it's like to have no money. They're like, really? These people can't afford this? And it's like often drawn from the writer's life. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, when we were that we were that poor. And they're like, what? Well, I think they're also and afraid when, of being sorry. a quote-unquote poor people show. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but right. then, and, but then you have a show like Roseanne, which but, then and which, now, which is what I'm getting yeah, at, like connects hard with how much yes. of this country struggles with those things. Part of the problem, I think, is that arguably rich white people in Berkeley, the disconnect isn't there, right? Or the disconnect is there, where it's like you're not really connected with with blue collar right. people that are really dealing with these problems. So you're kind of in no man's land. You're sort of neither here nor there. But I agree with you, Kenny. It does it does feel like there is this sort of I just think people are afraid of it. I, yeah. I guess I, maybe maybe it, it's that the people making TV at the highest levels really don't remember it. Yeah, I think that's really true. Like we are coming into like executives who specifically graduated from college to become television and movie executives, yep. as opposed to people who like worked their way up through the mailroom or whatever. The classic Hollywood story. And yeah, people are they have no connection to that way of life. No, I, I fully agree. And this movie certainly has no connection with that whatsoever. And it's, and seems to be reveling in it. But uh, Bruce Willis isn't a super successful TV writer. He's not living that life. And he doesn't seem to be a super successful He doesn't TV seem to writer. be working at right. all. He doesn't seem to be doing any work, except for when he works on his novel at that one point. I just tried to imagine that, like, the show. So the show he's writing on when he meets Katie, like, let's say it's Cheers. Say he was on Cheers for five years. Sure. He's probably got enough money to live comfortably for mm-hmm. quite a while. That's true. And now he's going to write a book about his grandma? Like, uh, like I could see that working if, it, if there was more specificity. Yeah. No, I think that that's I, – I, I also would say, too, that – and not that this movie needed that, but – uh, there's no religion. There's no cultural identity. There's nothing to that either. So they just feel Imagine like that. I know, right? They just feel like just 
just boring old white people with nothing that defines them, nothing that makes them stand out, nothing that makes this family interesting. Um, it's it sucks. It's not great. And like, there's something to be said about <sighs> relationships that don't work out because they just don't work out. But like, no one's an alcoholic. No, there's yeah, yeah. no conflict. Yeah. They just scream at each other. Yeah. And I I don't. How was your life hard? Like, what? Where is this conflict yeah, where, coming where's, from? Where's the hard from? Yeah. Like, how did her washer overload like did she just put too much soap in it because i've never seen that happen before like it's not a broken hose like yeah libby loves to read the uh the reddit the subreddit called relationships which is just people post their problems and ask for advice and most of it's probably fake but there's so many like better germs of like movie relationship conflict there like they're the one that i love right now is this couple they're, uh, they were trying to teach their child about sharing, so they accidentally invited their 60-year-old neighbor on their vacation to Europe they and like, rewrote all no? their plans because they didn't want to say no because they wanted to teach their four-year-old child about sharing. You can sell sure that tomorrow. Four, yeah. Four yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That kid's not going to remember anything that happened no. on this trip. Other <laughs> well, than there'll be a lot of photographs of it. There was some old person there. That's adorable. But that's great. Uh, so Ben and Katie tried to have sex in the kitchen. <laughs> Uh, in one of the least <laughs> sexy sex scenes I've ever seen. With in the past, these with, with gorgeous people, with these gorgeous people, and George W. Bush, I believe. George H. W. Bush, three gorgeous people, which is also <laughs> weird. Like the only political thing in this movie is that. And that feels gasms. like that feels like they got the note. You got to orient this in time somehow, and then applied oh, it to exactly one scene. They need it. They we need more they than Michelle and and Bruce's hair length because yeah. I think she was doing a oh chin length bob at that point. That's true. Uh, I then wrote this movie feels like a series of meaningless conversations. Yeah, true. Uh, it it just it it just feels very vignette. It doesn't feel like there's anything really holding it together. Um, and not particularly good or enjoyable vignettes. Absolutely. Because we did just talk about Fast Times, which is very vignette mm-hmm. But they're all enjoyable in, you know, in their own way, mm-hmm. their own self-contained way. There's very little here that they're telling a story. Like yeah. the, each yeah. vignette feels like a short story right. that's actually going somewhere. In the same collection, not yes. the same yeah. story 15 times yeah. within the same larger book. And in their defense, it is the called the story, story of us, of us yeah. not the stories of us. I hate you guys. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. I, no, like, that's it, cool. That's cool. I don't uh, really like us either. I, I would hate us too after that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have seething jealousy for how funny we are. Speaking no, of so vignettes true. that don't work, oh, yeah. is the vignette that I might have disliked the most was when their parents appear in their bed. Uh, yeah. That that really speaks to the, I'm trying to make my Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. I'm failing. Miserably. Yes. When they walk into their bedroom, I thought to myself, that's a really big bed. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> could fit six uh, people. I feel <laughs> like they could fit. And then they show up and I was like, that's why that bed's so big. I, it, it's, it also. It's like um, Steve Carell's bed in Burt Wonderstone. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what's what? interesting about this is that not only does this scene fail in terms of any, you know, dramatic anything uh they all start talking over each other and it just becomes a cacophony of voices and you can't even discern what anybody is saying it's just like noise just voices and you're like why it's red button's final performance I'm so <laughs> glad that he's before he passed before yeah. he's he left this mortal coil this all but like the casting of this also speaks to like there is some unbelievably long version of this that's on a, yes. like Rob Reiner's basement somewhere because like, like those are all, those are big actors to just throw away on a one scene yeah, gag Betty White. yeah Betty White 
Um, and they're credited in the posted? opening credits, yes. so you know yeah. they're not supposed to be like cameos. And like, who plays her? Who plays her mom? Uh, I didn't recognize. Her. I I, oh. I looked her up, and okay. yeah, but but I'll that's look her up again. But that's the the same thing he did with North. It's just get these huge people for one yeah. scene. It's something he's capable of doing because of who he was in Hollywood at that moment. It's not always the best thing to do. Also, in what universe does Red Buttons birth Bruce Willis? <laughs> oh, God. I just don't want to think about that at all. I love, I love Red Buttons. That guy's my man. He's great. I, I love Red Buttons. I'm just speaking to, like, what? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Jane um, Meadows was okay. mom. Okay. Uh, there's also a very odd device they use of the fades to black. Which yeah. also, if this movie had any momentum, and it doesn't, but if it did, those just stop it in its fucking tracks. It it's the strangest use of punctuation in this movie from an editing perspective, where you're just like, wait, did something just end that I, that I was supposed to be paying attention to? And is this a new beginning to something else? The, sh- the movie makes it impossible to watch it. Like it's yeah. it's continually giving these, these opportunities to <laughs> walk leave. away <laughs> or to have a different conversation yeah. or to complain yeah. about it on Twitter. Like they're just yeah. the possibilities are endless. I was so convinced that at the end yeah. it was going to turn out he was writing the book that was became this movie. Oh, see that because make sense. like you've, you've, you've there's chapter stops. again. Todd. Yeah. You fix this movie again twice. It's like how I fixed uh, what is that the shop around the corner, but. Not. Oh, you've got mail? Yeah. Yeah. I fixed that one. Some yeah, she remembered that, a different ending for that movie. Some people think that movie doesn't need fixing. Oh, oh well, wow. it does. This is bad. I am not one of them. I'm with you. <laughs> I know. Some people talk. My roommate loves. Yeah, so, and, I, and, I, and I didn't come at her when she was on the podcast no, she, about it. But some people talk about that movie like it is one of the great romantic comedies when the power and balance in that movie. Yeah, it's crazy drives me nuts it like it, it bothers my soul yeah. in a way i can't handle it's so incredibly unfair to meg ryan yeah i can't really deal with it actually mm-hmm. and you don't it it says something like to not like tom hanks says something yeah and i hate him in that movie you really don't like tom hanks in i that don't movie. want him to win i don't want her to be with him you don't it's it's and the turn is feels completely unearned uh he's he's destroyed her dreams <laughs> he has robbed her of of her parents yeah. of of her uh, you know, her, her, what would you call it? Her parents gave her this store. Her mother gave her this her store. Legacy. Her she legacy. Like her legacy. She's like working his stores now. It sucks. Ooh, it's terrible. Uh, but anyway. Um, so what else happens? And I said, they think um, the version today would be like Amazon taking down Barnes and Noble. You, she, she'd be <laughs> the one who owns the Barnes and Noble yeah, yeah. and heat. All right. Let's You've got me. What was in the water in the late nineties? That was like, we want to see stories about men who are in positions of power over women and then also get to sleep with them. Well, this is this we've, Speaking so we've Clintons. done 20, how many, we, we've done 30, <laughs> 30. Of these. we've done about yeah. 30 of these so far. And, uh, yeah, definitely like masculinity comes up over and over is a real, real sticky wicked. Well, to be fair, women are shrewish harpies. So, in a movie, at least in no, the 90s. These in are the 90s. no like yeah. ta- in a movie like 10 Things I Had About You, though, they get tamed. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. So. By penises. It's yes. true. Yeah. Bucks gunk. Like. These are no longer problems with Hollywood storytelling. You know, we've solved that. <laughs> <laughs> we fixed it. Yeah, this is this is a, this is a 1989 yeah. problem. Tell me more, white guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben and Katie stay overnight at the summer camp. Not yeah. really sure why. Uh, Don't really get it. Like I went great, to summer camp like for many great, years. Great fucking episode of Mad Men. Oh, it's a it's literally, I was watching with my roommate, uh, Melissa, who's a huge Mad Men fan. 
And I said to her, I went to summer camp for many years, overnight camp, and visitor's day when parents came up, they don't stay. Mm-hmm. They could stay at, a, at, at, like, I guess there was sort of a cabin resort situation that they could have stayed yeah, at, maybe. mine too. But it, they, very few parents did. Most of them just took off and went back home. You'd have to be pretty far away to do that. You'd right. have to live pretty far away to do right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, so this felt a little bit weird to me. And what was even weirder is the daughter showing up to get into bed with them, to sleep with them. It's which, the scene that earned Colleen Renison her Young Hollywood Award <laughs> nomination. It might be. Yeah. She, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the scene, scene that she's in. So that happens. And then from that, we flash back to Italy. Yeah. Where they meet, what are these family? The Kirby's. The Kirby's. Which, if we're going to talk about white privilege and we're going to talk about like shitty Hollywood assholes. Yeah. They could not come across as bigger fucking assholes in the way they treat the Kirby's, who yeah. are nothing but lovely to them. I mean, they might be a little they're bit annoying, a little annoying, but, but like, like they're not worth what they. The, I mean, also, how do you play hangman under the table? You can't. It's That's, not a thing you can do. I thought that was kind of clever. I kind of like that. <laughs> really? It would work better if they had phones. No. So obviously, if they had smartphones, like the yes, whole thing. Yes. But, fair. The they're most, playing uh, words with friends, right? If they were like texting each other and they're just, like that, that's believable. Sure. So I think what that's what they're going for. But the most offensive thing about how they treat the Kirby's is like the Kirby's are actually laying yeah. in like insight into marriage yep. and like broken relationships cool. on them yeah. and they're just like we're so much prettier and cooler than these yeah. people i fucking yeah. hate them um and like if they had just shut the fuck up for a second they and learn something yeah exactly don't be with someone who hates you oh okay well there you go they it's really an important only lesson hate the kirby's because they're not as attractive as them yeah. literally yeah. and they're from the yeah. midwest and i could see i could like i could see reiner being like so what it's a couple they kind of look like me uh, but like fuck you man like did he become Ronnie Dangerfield? Did Rob Reiner become Ronnie Dangerfield? That's that's how he sounds. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm Robbie Ravi Wider. Um, <laughs> Robbie Wider. Ravi Wider. I was beathead. I told um, <laughs> that's what he always that's what he always says. He's like, yeah, you know, I was beathead once. What does um, Eric Clapton think? Yeah. <laughs> I talk I talk with like people from back home in South Dakota who are like Hollywood hates us and hates our values. And it's just literally like, this is a perfect. Yeah. Usually they're just like talking about like, there's a gay person in a movie and I'm like, come on guys, it's 2018. But like, yeah, Yeah. this is literally an example of how often characters from the Midwest are portrayed as crazy buffoons who are very annoying to be around. And what's funny, I, I I first of all, absolutely agree. But what's funny about the meathead of it all too, is that he was on a fucking show for how many years about blue collar, middle-class people. And he learned nothing apparently and now like it's it, it's just gross like norman lear wouldn't allow you to do something it's just it's just it's gross. elitist it's it's, it's a really it's a really sucks. elitist beat and uh I norman lear it. should have just swept in and like been like don't do this movie Rob. this is a bad idea how weird is Robbie? That norman lear doesn't make a movie doesn't make a tv show for like 20 years and then comes back and then makes like 20 of them no, I'm talking yeah. about right now. I'm yeah, talking about wait. You've been oh, talking, he's, yeah, made, he's, he's made, made a couple, couple shows, yeah. but like, all, it's like he hasn't lost a step. How no. weird is that? He's how anti Rob Reiner is that Norman he's, Norman Lear should be studied. He's a perfect. He player. knows how to find good people to work under him, which is yeah. a thing you don't lose with age. I think you guys. I moderated a panel with him and Rita on it, and it was just like a hundred and ninety five years of brilliance. Yeah, and it's so exciting! Holy, that's amazing. They were the best. 
Sorry, he you seems can like edit the, that He out. seems like the best. But what? yeah. Why she would I want to edit it? you want to edit that? She obviously no. still has it, but like he still has it too. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. He was totally, he was so insightful and amazing. And and I think I think that's the great thing. Like he can do creative stuff right now. Um, He hasn't, like James L. Brooks, who we talked about off, <laughs> off, mic. off mic for a while. Um, He hasn't <laughs> completely transitioned to producing and finding talent. Like Lear can still bring it and he's. Yeah. Brilliant. He also like he looks great. He just like dresses great, and he's just like rocks that hat. He's just the best. Um, we should get Norman Lear on here. Ninety five, right? Yeah, ninety five. He's amazing. We should uh, have Norman Lear on to talk about Muppets from Space. I bet he'd do a great job. <laughs> Does, is he involved in Muppets in Space? No, no. just okay. have him. Just yeah, because uh, if on. he is, we um, should have had him on for him. So he, for this, so he could have just like ripped Rob Ryan. Oh, that would have been fucking great. I would have uh, felt so bad asking him to spend two hours of his life <laughs> with this, of his life yeah. watching Here. this movie. Uh, so Ben and Katie find a spark in their mutual hatred of the Kirby's. Lovely people. They are really bad people. Uh, that being said, hating the same things, nice thing in a marriage. Yes. Absolutely foundational. Yes. <laughs> I will say that like that is, we, when we were in some of our darkest times, the fact that we found some of the same things stupid and yep. bullshit and annoying really brought us together. Got us through it. Yeah. Yep. Well, okay, so maybe there's something there. No. It's expressed poorly. They did a really bad, yeah, <laughs> that's right. They did a really bad job, but- what always brings Laura and I back is mutual hatred for some shit. Or spite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All those people who say that you won't make it, fuck them. That's that's what I'm saying. When uh right, that was the tagline. Libby and I Libby and I got married. <laughs> Libby and I got married before we were out of college. And yeah. we had a friend who was like, Todd and Libby are getting married. That'll never last. We stay together just to spite him. Just to be like He's such a Yeah. What's, I hate that what's, guy. what's his name? Yeah. Kit Rainey, you are on notice. <laughs> Oh man, I thought it was Tony. No, not Tony. Tony I bet always Tony believed in us. He's going to be governor of South Dakota. It's going to be great. Tony always believed Tony, Tony. So, uh, so Katie takes cooking classes with John Hoynes and no. uh, starts kind of seeing him, but like we don't. Any, there, nothing physical happens between them. So John Wayne's is just there cooking for her. They just cook in different locations, uh, in increasingly intimate Wait, locations. And John Ben gets Hoynes. a house. Tim Matheson. Okay. He was on the West Wing. He was vice oh, okay, president. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you get Hoynes. Uh, so it starts <laughs> seeing... Uh, he, they start seeing each other. Ben starts to write his book about his... I, did they say it was about his mom? Because I must have missed it's that. About his grandmother. Grandmother. Okay. Yeah, it was in the it was in the second scene with with Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Oh, really? Where he screams at him about how unless his, his grandma gran- sucks. Basically. Yeah, unless his grandma blew anyone interesting, nobody wants to read it. Because <laughs> people's time <laughs> I did is not valuable. Catch that line. But Ooh, that's amazing. That I think the 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 whole thing was that his grandmother was married to the same guy for a long time, and that was what he yep. found so incredibly heroic. Yep. Because he's bad at relationships. To be fair to Paul Reiser, that does sound like a boring book. It does. But I would wow. not maybe put it that way. Would she blow? Uh, <laughs> tell me who she blew. And then... Uh, <laughs> Joan of Arc. All right, but who she blew? <laughs> Amelia Hart. Interesting story. What dicks were in her mouth? I gotta know. Oh, my God. Um, so I guess at this point, they go... To pick up the kids yep. from the the bus stop or whatever, the place where the 
because he is re- he he stopped by the house to right, tell he her how yeah, yeah, yeah. he was so wrong. Um, and then she's on a non-date with Hoynes, yeah. and he's very cold, and he's like, "We should discuss how to tell the children." Like, and like then baby, he like leaves like a dumb child. baby. Uh, he's like, "Fine, then we're done." I'm out of here. And and then uh, I wrote down, there is basically no reason for Ben and Katie to stay together. But no. of course, that, that wouldn't be this movie. So I will they, say yeah. I will say that when I remembered liking this movie, literally all I remembered about it was the montage set to classical gas, which is pretty skillful and yeah. strictly in terms of what it is. I also remembered it being like the whole movie. So like it's yeah. it is well done. And and you know, when we're done this, I'm gonna show you guys the trailer so you can see what I'm talking about. Because it works well as a trailer and as a piece of marketing. I you know you've got Bruce Willis you got Michelle Pfeiffer on a on a I don't know a poster that's kind of bland but you've got this trailer I get it and to Kenny's point you're coming off with a sixth sense I get how this movie makes fifty six million dollars I get it it's good they're they're really we're all really fortunate that they had the exact same memory montage at the same time yeah, yeah. that was super or helpful else that would have been a disaster and the nice thing about it is uh, that Eric Clapton score has prepared you for <laughs> classical gas to be a total banger as Libby said. <laughs> Like at that point, it sounds like the greatest song. It really in history. Does. You're like fucking something to propel us through this thing. Kind of genius. Uh, um, and then they go pick up the kids, and uh, yeah, I guess she just she has some sort of an epiphany with Chow funds, and 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 then she just starts crying. And well, ranking. I think it's her montage. Is Chow funds like a famous defunct LA restaurant, Never or is it just I've like a thing of. that they, I think it is it supposed to be Mr. Chow's? No, that, that's you, not a family never restaurant. Take a family. It seems more like Genghis <laughs> Cohen to me. Sure. Now we're just naming it Chinese is, food maybe restaurants it's in Dang Los Angeles. Chow. Oh well, see, there's a bit. There's By a, the way, a, if they do go to Mister Chow's as a family, that is perfectly in line with all the other <laughs> the shit they do in this movie. It's like, <laughs> it's like we'll always have Spago nights. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, there's a, there's a there's beef chow fun, and there is there is a chow fun restaurant in Carson, well, but I, I doubt that's the one they're going to. I, highly, I, highly I mean, like, Carson. I get that they wanted a name that you'll remember, but all I could think is like everybody chow fun tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's not good. And I, I the other thing too is so her rant or her monologue or her breakdown, her meltdown, whatever you want to call it, a piff, epiphany, sure, uh, it goes on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. My roommate at one point started screaming and covering her ears. She was like, make it stop. Like, it's so shrill and awful because of the decibel that she's squeaking at, too. It's just, and it's supposed to be cute because it's kind of like laughing and smiling and crying. And I, I just, I, it, I don't know. I, it made me feel bad. It made me feel bad for Michelle Pfeiffer Tough. that she had to do it. Uh, and, and meanwhile, they keep cutting to just a, a blank Bruce Willis, just a blank face that is emoting nothing. Like, not, I love you, not anything. I just, I hated it. I hated it. I hated that this is how the movie ended. And then, of course, we get a fucking talking head bullshit thing with them looking pretty and wearing all white. They look like the guilty remnant. And they're, like, kissing. <laughs> how dare you? How I, dare you reference I'm sorry, that? I'm sorry. They're uh, so much better in this movie. They're big love season one through three opening credit reenactors. That's like they found their passion. <laughs> yeah, basically. And that's the movie, guys. I mean, like, there's not really much else. It's, to- a, it, it's, it's a really, it's weird to say such a disappointing movie has an even more disappointing resolution. 
But it's the worst ending for this movie. It is. They gave us absolutely no reason to think they're not going to turn around and go be miserable tomorrow. And what it really felt like was ultimately, and you know, you could feel the way you feel about this. Ultimately, the the movie was arguing like, um, settle for mediocrity. Like, like you should be like settle. Like, like once you've gotten a marriage, even if it's not working, like just settle, just be, just be happy. Like it's better than breaking up. There's nothing worse than breaking up. Um, or it's, this is better than being alone is it also sort of, it feels like. And there's sort saying. of this argument that like, it's better for the kids, but like we have lots of psychological research that if you can hear <laughs> your parents yelling all the time at each other, that's not better for you growing yeah. up. Including when they're getting back together. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a It's trip. just, ugh. Um, all right. So we're going to zero to 99 this. Ooh. I don't know if you know what that is, Libby. So we rank these movies from zero to 99. Oh, cause it's, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's I get it. Uh, we rank it. Uh, if we saw it in '99, you guys saw it in 2001, so we'll just we'll insert that into mm-hmm. it. What your grade would be for it then? What your grade would be for it before we did this podcast, and then what your grade is after this podcast? As though the podcast might have in some way or another swayed you. I think you were pretty locked in when we sat down, but who yep. knows? Yep. Yep. Um, fifty yep. percent is or fifty is the recommend line. If it's below 50, you don't recommend this. If it's above 50, you don't recommend this. I think we all know where we stand. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go first. What would you say your ranking of this was? As the was? people who so gleefully chose this. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I want to say for the record that yeah. I am thankful. We had to did. do it. We had no, to do it to eventually. Do it and we had two amazing guests to do it. And thank you for that. Because no one else was going to come on for this movie. <laughs> this was a tough one. So we're the so dumbest people. No, no, no. Could you imagine doing this just an intellectual you, conversation? Oh my God, Kenny. It would have been just, just looking at you the whole time. It would have been talk. fucking terrible. <laughs> Too, if it was just, just us, us oh it would have just been like, yeah, we, yeah, well, we could have found anyone for this fucking movie. Let's do it. So, uh, which is kind of the way we approached Austin Powers by Shagme, and then somehow well, we would have found anybody. We turned it around and like started liking it by the end of it. It was bizarre. Oh. And, and I think we liked each it's other like, more. Yeah, we, yeah. We were like, did we just convince each other of the greatness of Spy Shagme? It was just, yeah. it didn't make any sense. It was really cool. Just to, <laughs> just to, it is one of our highest listened to episodes. Just to convey the power of this movie, I looked over at your producer at one point and he had like he looked like he had disappeared inside <laughs> and was like shrinking down. I, I can't tell you, I, and this is not a comment on you, Rob, but I can't tell you how often that happens. <laughs> we're, we're just we're just we're Poor doing man. some horrible yeah. movie where Rob's You're just, just like, like ah. this. I think I am a good signifier of the quality of. A- I, I agree. You're a good yeah. signifier of a quality of a podcast. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that too. So 2001. Uh, what would I, you give this? I probably would have been seven. Wow. That's what I was going to say, too. Jesus. Like, okay. like but right even in though that, I think I liked it more than him, so I should probably be higher. I should probably be like a... I was thinking 65 at first, so I'll say 65. Okay. But like, okay. I was I'll thinking kind seven. of a low B, but not yet B minus. I was thinking a B okay. plus. Okay. Yeah. And now, before this podcast? A 13? <laughs> Feels generous. <laughs> Okay. I'm so angry. Yeah. And I will tell you this. When I sat down to watch it last night, I knew it wasn't going to be as good yeah. as I had remembered it. But sure. I thought it was going to be like a, like right on the line of that 50. Well, we but, saw your tweets, guys. And they were oh. they were amazing. Yes. Good tweet. Yeah. They were really great. It, um, Bruce Willis puts two spaces after a period yeah, in this awful. movie. That alone marks him as not a I real writer. I want to say for the record that... You do that? I don't do that. Oh, my God. 
But I have worked with writers that do. Yeah. Uh, I might work with one now. (gasps) But I would also say that that the screenwriting program that we use on Station 19, which is Magic Screenwriter or something. Movie Magic Screenwriter. Movie Magic Screenwriter. Inserts two spaces into everything. You're forced to do that? Yes. You're forced to use that program, I mean? We are forced to use that program. Ugh, we just saw... Uh, so, take yeah, it we, we We were writing something this morning. And we, we write together. We were working on a thing, and Libby thought there were two spaces after I a period. Out. She got very mad at me. But it's like I, I've heard something. the argument for it. And the argument... Here's my argument against it, which is, we have so little real estate. Why are you giving it up? That's, like, that's crazy to yeah. me. To me. Considering, but, it's, considering it's at best six and one half dozen the other. Right. You may as well. You might as well. keep. Don't space. waste the spaces. So there's yeah. that. The argument that was made to me on Sleepy Hollow anyway, by the writer that does two, two spaces, is that <gasps> it's easier to read and that, it, that it pops more, that each individual sentence stands out more. I don't necessarily agree, but it pisses the people off like, like us three, because it, it infuriates yeah. me. It pisses the people off so much that just for avoiding that, you yeah. shouldn't do it. I agree. Our I agree. guest next week. May do that. Uh, wow. Then we're gonna have to talk about I don't it. know if he does it anymore, but have to talk he about did. It. I'm curious. Back when he worked on a certain show on HBO. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a hit show. Don't know if you guys ever heard of it. So. <laughs> Gotta hydrate, bro. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, what's your rating? Uh, liked it more than you guys. As I said, um, going into this podcast, I gave it a 40. Um, mostly because the moments that felt real felt very real i also felt myself having like hits in my stomach so it it, it operated a bit like a horror movie for me like it, is this what it was like i couldn't imagine going through this with my wife I, I felt those seems to be very very scary like i don't want to be anywhere near right that. right right and the idea of like breaking up i have three kids the idea of like breaking up and i guess the kids like all that stuff scared me and i hadn't really seen it a lot so I gave it a 40 because it was a terrible movie, but like there was that. Uh, after this podcast, if I gave it anything higher than a 25, I, I, I think I'd have my podcast in card revoked. So it's a 25. I'm going to say this is my least favorite film that we have done so Worse far. Worse than mm. Chill Factor? Worse than Chill Factor. Damn. Um, I, I be, again, to not to repeat myself, but because of what it was striving for and what it thinks it's doing is so much more offensive to me than... Uh, I, I mean, I'm I I'm gonna give it an eight. <laughs> My man, <laughs> that, uh, it didn't feel like an eight podcast. I, well, because I was having a good time talking to our guests. No, no, no. I no, mean, no, I don't, the, the podcast was a ninety-eight. Um, <laughs> but but you know, I, I truthfully, it's it. I can't. I gave it. You know, you know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Libby for the feet thing. Because I feel like going into single digits is is really rough. But Would like, you, did you change? You were ten than ten, or did? Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's a push. It's the same. I came in here feeling as shitty about this movie as I am leaving this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this movie succeeds in any way. It is it is patronizing. It is it 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 hates its audience, which is what I might think is the worst part of it. Like I don't think that this movie respects its viewer. It, it just it feels very very insulting on a bunch of different levels so I'm, I'm not into it i feel like the feet thing a couple of the moments in the fights and the montage were like yeah. enough to put me at like a 20 and then i thought of the score and yeah. just kept like, <laughs> removing I mean, points I, I i agree with that and I would, I would also say too that it just it doesn't succeed 
in my opinion, at the one fucking thing that a movie is supposed to do, which is tell a goddamn story, and it's called The Story of Us, to tell a story from A to fucking B. I can't tell you where I am in the story, in the timeline of this movie half the time. It's completely, like, it is not coherent. I think you're right. Let's Okay. <laughs> Talk about next week. No, it was bad. Yeah. Okay. Bad movie. I don't think next was, week. I don't think it was bad as you thought. I thought it was one of the worst movies we've done. But like there are we've done literal incompetent literally incompetent movies. Which this, this actually feels, is this is, this is, is also an incompetent. Can movie. I say this? Can I just insert this? Please. Todd and I have been married almost fifteen years. We almost got divorced in two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Two thousand ten. Yeah. Two thousand eleven. No, what I'm saying is we've been through hold, some hold, hold on, keep talking. I'm gonna just do a little thing. <laughs> 2018. Uh, no, um, we have like been there. We've been in the trenches and we've we're, had the screaming fights and we've. We're only together because it was cheaper for us to continue living together because right. it was the recession and I had lost my job and like, right. so like, we were, yeah. So like, I'm being very like straightforward. Yeah. And I watched this film and I thought, First of all, you people don't want to be together anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not fighting over anything real. And and you, you, you don't know what it is to struggle. And you don't know how hard you have to work to, to not break up. And they weren't willing to do that. And, and they weren't willing to honestly engage with each other. And fuck them for making it through. So that's my 10. My 10 comes from <laughs> personal experience sure. and from saying... This is not how the world works. This is how assholes behave, and assholes don't deserve to be married. I'm dropping I, it lower. I'm sorry. Like, no, no, you're absolutely right. That's that's you're absolutely right. Like they uh, they don't they the these people didn't deserve to tell this story. That's and yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of what I was feeling the whole time, which is like, and that's why that's why I find it kind of profoundly sad that this story was told. By people who did not deserve and had earned, earned the right to tell this story. Like, it's not the same as, like, and I hate, I'm not really using this as a comparison, but it's not the same as, like, a white person writing about black people no, or something but, like that, but it has some of the shared DNA. Well, right. Yeah. So it's also, I mean, and I, to, to sort of piggyback on what you're talking about as well, it's the Hollywood version of it as well, right? I don't feel that Rob Reiner, okay, yes, Bruce Willis is going through a divorce from his other mega wattage movie star. I don't feel like that's a divorce that is applicable to what we're, what this, no. it's just, this is not indicative of what people actually go through, which is why I find the movie that much more. It's, that's exactly like <clears throat> it, it, um, it was disingenuous. And that's like the one thing yeah, that I, I can't allow for. Like if it was called the story of them, fine but that's that's not yeah. us that's it's not just, the story of us it's just bruce willis and michelle pfeiffer talking about a couple breaking up next door <laughs> yeah no, basically i no. watched that movie before this one. but it's just like yeah. this there's nothing they tried to make something universal when no one had any intention of making it universal yeah. and that is so offensive to me that i can't i i, can't. I just i would i would Personally, amend that statement a little bit. I oh think, yeah, yeah. I think please, they please. did intend for it to be universal. They just have no concept of what universality yeah. is. Yep, yep, yep. I right? fully, fully, fully agree with that. Completely. I don't think that Rob Reiner has any perspective. I don't why, think that any of them. Why do. would he? And that's. I think that's what Libby's point is. Like that's why it's so affecting to me. It's like, why would he have any concept of what human beings go through? And it is. 
pretty insulting to take on such a, a, a distinctly human moment. Well, it goes back to what you were saying about sitcoms, right? And oh, and income. Awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess us, yes. Yeah. Story is, of us. Is that, yeah, the story of you two. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, they don't understand it. They don't remember it. They don't know how to engage with it. So they're like, we'd prefer it if you wrote about something else. Uh, you know, that's at least honest. Like, I don't understand this, so please don't write about it. Yeah. But I don't know. I uh, I just want to say I love you so much. I'm so happy to share my life with you. I'm stretching my hand out to take your hand. I'm serious. I, I love feel you. like sh- you're very smart. <laughs> you're very funny, and I just really love why are being you, with you. Why are your we just- shoes and socks off? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask you. Way to use the I just want to ask you. Do you want to go to Chalfonts? <laughs> Let's go to Chalfonts. <laughs> Turn that fuck you into a fire. <laughs> <laughs> so next week. So we just did one oh of the worst God, movies is... of uh, 1999, and we're about to do one of the best movies of 1999. It's a big one, guys. With one of our best guests. It's true. Rule Intentions with oh. Tom Meissen. Like, that's like exclamation point exclamation with exclamation point, point yeah, exclamation yeah. point. Especially guy... since I've been, <laughs> I've been teasing people with it on Twitter, uh, and everyone's been asking, questioning, what movie is Tom coming on for? Well, here it is, guys. If He's you don't know Tom Meissen, he is the star of the upcoming Watchmen on HBO. And also... Oh, yes, and Sleepy Hollow, too. But more importantly, The Watchmen. I met him through Sleepy Hollow. Yes, correct. Uh, And he's lovely. And uh, and we talk for two and a half hours about Cruel Intentions. One of my favorite movies ever made. Um, Yeah, it's a very interesting journey that we go on with Kenny Nybart in this movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. So everyone should listen to Kenny go through various... States of denial, and I'm in the 80s, I'm in the 90s, <laughs> I'm in the hundreds. There's, there's it's, the it's hundreds very, it's very interesting. Um, um but Tom's great, and it's a blast. And uh, you know, I don't know what else there is to say other than he's a great guest. It's a great movie. It's going to be, yeah, he's you know, brilliant. He's brilliant on the podcast, legitimately. Um, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Thanks please, for please, please us. come back. Yeah, will you promise us that you'll if come you back? If you promise here? us that we won't have to do a movie you, this bad again. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I mean, that would be a tall order oh, yeah, that's a, true. in and of itself. Again, low bar. Um, but you're both on Twitter. Yep. We are. What are your handles? I am uh, TVOTI. And I'm Midwest Spitfire. And I'm at Nybart. I'm at PM Iscove on Twitter and on Instagram. We also have a, a Twitter feed for our show, which is uh, podcast like 1999. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, tweet at us, talk to us about where I'm going to, I'm going to put a poll up as to what were we, what was the poll that we were going to do? Wasn't there a poll that we Yanny were? or Laurel? No. You, oh. Anyway. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's dated this podcast. Yes. Six Jesus. months from now, that's going to be a real, <laughs> real knee real, slapper. Yeah. There was something, though, that we talked about earlier. A poll is something. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, it was uh, Brittany versus uh, in the 10 Things I Hate About You episode we were talking about. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Brittany versus Kater Slinny. Slater Kinney. Slater Kinney. It's a really interesting experiment in serialization. We're just melding it all together. Kind of like the story of us. There's really no rhyme or reason why these things bump up against each other. Thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. I love this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you this movie. Guys.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.